The Woody Guthrie Center and Bob Dylan Center present Fire in Little Africa, a multimedia hip-hop project inspired by the resilience of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And now, coming at you live from Greenwood, here are your hosts, Ali Shaw and Doc Free. Right, man, it's so good to be back on back. the mic. On the mic. With one of the illest on the mic. The illest. <laughs> my co-host to my left of the Oil House crew. I need to give him a big introduction. It's Doc Freeman, y'all. And everyone, give a big round of applause. Back on the mic. Did our first show yesterday. Back the weekend. The weekend rewind. Almost Ooh. said the weekend rewind because slight dyslexia there. <laughs> Too much I don't know. Anyways, Ali Shaw, back. Oh, yeah. how does it feel to be back? How was your first day back, Ali Shaw? It was today, actually. My first mm-hmm. show back on in a couple of months. It was a little different, yes. but I it, it just like riding a bike. Mm-hmm. Great to be back mm-hmm. in the box. Yeah, I'm so. time traveling. I thought it was like already another. I see. I took a nap between your show and now, so I feel like it's already the next day. Sorry. You know, we, we know about DJ, we know about DJ disco naps, so DJ they are a must. Disco, disco biscuits. Yeah. Uh, but we have very, very special guests today, don't we, Ali Shaw? All of our guests are special, Doc, remember? Oh, that's right. Uh, it seems the shoe is on the other foot. Turnabout is flair, fair play and all that jazz. Yeah. Well, I'm really excited about today's special guest because... This is an opportunity for me to get to know him a little better. I really wish I had had more time with him during the Fila Fire in Little Africa recording sessions back in March of 2020, which seems like a year ago. Uh, we have with us today, Yo Phillips, one of the most respected voices in hip hop journalism. Yo, Remembering why I'm in this Talk about whatever I want Like it's my business Like I ain't never been too big For my britches Survive living With the knowledge It's not a given Boil a pot of proper For what product in it Like it's not a game And if it is It's not a scrimmage Put in my minutes Like I guarantee my guys Win it Eyes tenant Like five percent It's just how I'm lifting Switches I was on some fly shit Then I ascended Supply splendid The provider would not a limit Right Like the price of the brick Is going up out a minute And I got them in the trunk Of the car Like I gotta get it Yeah Strictly there's no downtime visits found the ground like I might not be around in time to kick it. It's wicked, but it's still love though. Don't get it twisted. Just try and speak greatness and will it into existence. Try and make it happen in a major way. Yeah, chopping up game like razor blades. Pay motherfucking dudes, we ain't pay to play. And we sipping pay tea, not tango ray. Remember when I was injured like day to day with a fucked up fit, Jay's fading away. But I put it all the way down and paved the way. Yeah, put on the damn cave, say. Thank you guys for having me. Like, I, I'm already enjoying just listening to YouTube talk, so I know this is going to be fun. <laughs> we we're so happy to have you here, man. Um, you're, you're in ATL, right? Yes, I'm in Atlanta. Yes. And I want to also make sure we give you a proper extended introduction. Yo is a senior writer at DJ Booth. He is mm-hmm. the co-host of the Something to Say podcast, mm-hmm. and he is also the author of the best damn hip-hop writing, The Book of Yo, mm-hmm. which is available on Amazon if you want to go pick it up. Please I know, I, I know y'all out there trying to cancel the M, but you know what I'm saying? Support <laughs> writers. <laughs> Man, that's exactly where I'm at with it. Like, 
I, I need you guys to support us on Amazon, but I'm all the way here to to see what happens as far as I don't think anything needs to be that powerful. Nothing needs to be as powerful as Amazon is. Mm-hmm. But it's necessary. It's necessary for writers. It's necessary for anyone selling something. Like I get it as a as a business, but it is a monopoly, and it's just it's, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's Microsoft. It's Apple. It's yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It is just too powerful. I don't think we need anything that powerful at, at all. Like I don't even thrive to make anything as big as Amazon. But then also, I think we probably got some of some of the oddest oddball oddball postal spots in this state in this oh, city man so it's like man it's hard to stick up for y'all <laughs> y'all giving me the attitude and i've been in line for 45 minutes <laughs> yeah. next I, I hear you i hear you yo since since you've been here you were here back in march and i want to read to you um you tweeted something oh this was my dad's birthday my, my father passed away, but this was on his birthday that you tweeted this. You said, this global pandemic really changed all our lives at the same damn time. And I said, at the same damn time, at the same damn time, when I read it. But I'm like, man, it really did, you know? Like, and we were just kind of going back and forth. You know, you basically said it might go down as the most important year we have all experienced. How are you feeling since being here in Tulsa and how has your life changed since March of 2020? I knew when I touched down in Tulsa that something was happening. It's because I wanted to go to Tulsa since I've never been. That was my whole reason for going on the press trip. I was like, I just want to go somewhere I've never been. And the opportunity to go to Tulsa just fell in my lap. I was extremely excited about it. But leading up to the date, because I believe you guys reached out to press in like January, December. So it was like a two month period of like leading up to it. And I just remember right before having to start packing like a mask and like hand sanitizer and starting to think, well, this is not how I usually pack for a trip, you know? And even my Uber driver that took me to the airport, I'll never forget. He was telling me how uh, the 5G towers were the cause of all of this and that COVID was fake. And he wanted, he was sent, he sent me a YouTube video that I never opened. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want no parts. It's of probably that. a freaking virus for you. Yo, yeah. <laughs> you know it is. So even just the build up to go to Tulsa and I was the only journalist to come in a day early. I wanted the day early because I wanted to kind of fill out what Oklahoma was like. And, you know, I met Chris we went to a knife wonder panel and it was about like the fear of a black consciousness, the fear of a new black consciousness. Mm. And I remember hearing that I, I was going back to my hotel room to hear Jay Electronica's new album. I feel like a lot of things were just like, wow, this day feels pretty epic. And yes. then I get to my hotel room and the NBA shuts down. And I was like, what in the world? No basketball. And I'm in the hotel room and you guys are telling me no basketball because of this, this thing that people are catching. So as I'm sitting in my hotel room, I'm, I'm all of all the emotions is going through my head. Like how, how am I going to get back to Atlanta safely? How am I going to enjoy this trip? How am I going to be a journalist that 
you know, I, I like to be hands-on. I like to talk to people. I like to really make my presence known. Like, how can I do all of this when we're trying to watch, you know, people's hands and we're trying to watch and see, you know, who has a cold, who, who feels good, who doesn't feel good. Like, there's a lot of concerns now. And obviously I got over it, but I think that's my thing about COVID is that every day your mind sort of starts to think a little different about what was used to be very regular normal things aren't normal anymore just going to the gas station just going to the store like the, the way you have to prepare for that the way your mindset has changed deeply affected everyone and i, I find, and it starts it starts in tulsa for me i find myself not even talking on my phone when i'm driving now I, wow. it's like i need and i i had this discussion with my mother about mindfulness um and i because i saw it happen with her and my stepdad um, this was in the beginning of everything and they were, anyway, it's kind of a long story, but I could sense the anxiety and the nervousness with them. And I finally said, you need to focus on your driving, you know? And then mm-hmm. one day she called and I said, and she said, you text me or something. And I said, I'm about to drive home. I'll call you when I get there because I don't want to be thinking about a conversation and trying to drive my car in the midst of, these other, like you said, these extra worries that we have now. And now I'm on the other side of it. I, I got the Rona and I'm just coming out of, you know, recovering from that. So it's I'm like, so glad you're okay. Thank you. Yo. Very much so. I'm doing very well. Very so. Yeah. I, I did a whole mom. I had a mama Tulsa moment <laughs> at the end of my show today, but I did a whole break about it and just telling everybody like, listen, y'all, this is not like getting the flu. It's not the same. It can affect you in other ways. It's important that you give people time to recover, et cetera. Anyway, I kind of felt. I, I think know. even the way it affects other people who might be like related to you, your family, like I think it changes everyone's mindset because I've had some family members, you know, have uh, had their own experiences with COVID and they were thankfully like mild experiences. But like mm-hmm. even in that sense is like personally what I've been kind of dealing with is trying to let go of the worry of COVID now, you know, like it happens, then you see people get better and you want to detach yourself from the worry of it. Cause that was the whole thing. This has been the biggest worry of the world. And then when it gets close enough to you, when you see it and you feel it, you start to wonder like, how bad is it going to get? Yeah. I see that. I saw it happen with my mother I saw, I have a couple of friends who I consider very close friends, Mm. but I felt a distance from them. And I knew in my heart, like a part of me was hurt in the beginning. Like, what? I need you now more than ever. You know, I'm really sensitive. So, but then I, over time was like, forgive them because they probably cannot handle it. They, it's too much and they have to be able to take care of themselves. And so then it turned into, let me just pray for them. You know, like I just pray mm-hmm. that they're they they're okay and that and I know they'll be fine. But I miss them. But you know, <laughs> like I get it because it it. My mom said something one day like we are all going through something, but in different ways at different times. So it's like whatever heaviness you may be experiencing today, it's like it gets passed off to the next person the next day. So mm-hmm. it's like those are the moments when we have to be like, hey, I'm stronger today. I got you. I got you. You the weak one today. Cool. I got you. I'll hold on. I'll hold you today. You know? Yes. So it is, it's, it's funny when you're going through something like that and you know, you kind of need someone to get you 
and it might not be in the way that you want. So it creates this friction because mm-hmm. you just know you need someone. And if it's not done a certain kind of way, obviously it feels bad. It's like, I just needed you to do this one thing. And yeah. it doesn't work out like that all the time. You know, people in communication can be very difficult when you're going through things. And that's, I was telling my mom, I was like, I think people are acting out because this time is so crazy. So, you know, I, I try to get people COVID passes. Like you yes. get two COVID passes with me. Like even shoot, I get myself COVID passes. I was like, you're acting out, but yeah. I'll give you a pass because this is a very weird time. But that's the thing. I think you have to accept the fact that we are living in a weird time. No matter how you want to talk about a new normal, this is not normal. Nothing about this is normal. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as normal anymore. So since normalcy has been destroyed, I think people are going to have to try and get back to life without letting go of knowing like there's there's some big worries outside. They need to also understand there was never normal. We're just very uncomfortable and we're not used to being very uncomfortable um i totally space on this gentleman's name uh writer for npr um but they brought him in and he was talking about how our generation the generation before us like you got to go a couple generations to get to that point back in between when people were having to actually sacrifice for not just themselves but for the people around them uh in the wartime effort and stuff like that and this generation we are so used to thinking that everyone's lying to us or something's trying to get over on us now that we are we're like oh this has got to be a hoax but we're we don't want to be made too too uncomfortable which is why you see people like braying and hitting uh hitting city councils with guns like let us out of the house kind of thing it's like (laughs) no you you need to learn how to sacrifice like this normal never existed our comfort level has just changed dramatically so yo I'm and forgive me because I keep I have this song in my head. I'm just gonna make reference to it. I know we probably can't play it, but the Busta Rhymes and Q-Tip ill vibe is in my head every time I say that. And I know you get that. That's hip hop. <laughs> I know you get it, but I'm like, he was probably a baby when that album came out. <laughs> I was definitely still in Pampers, maybe. Yeah. I don't. Maybe like three or four. I don't know. I was I, young. I was definitely young. Yeah, it would have been like '96. Yeah, I was like seven. I was like five. Yeah, I was I was five. So, but I, I definitely like loved. <laughs> you were a freshman in high school. I think it's either eighth grade or high school. Fresh, yeah, See, I, can't, freshman. I can't. I can't imagine being like a freshman and Tribe is coming out. Or like Buster oh, Rhymes, like let, new art. Because I, I see all of these guys as legends now, yeah. but I did not get a chance to experience them. Like, I would school. love to be able to talk to you about that because I was. A sophomore, probably. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Travis is my favorite experience. group of all time. Like, when I met, I met Ali Shaheed Muhammad. Oh, wow. And he came to Tulsa with, with Midnight Hour, Adrian Young. It was an amazing show. And I walk up to him, and I had this, I fangirled. I, I just have to admit, I just fangirled. And I gave, handed him my cassette to sign. And I started getting choked up and I started crying because it's that moment of like, I have been listening to you since I was like 16 years old. Like you are literally the sound provider. Oh my God, you're standing in front of me. Like I love Tribe, love Tribe. It changed, it changed my life. That group changed my life. I feel like in high school, you, you always find the music that changes your life. Mm-hmm. Like I think I have a harder time now as I get older to find that attachment 
to music. But that that high school period is so specific in just way you're thinking and your interest and your and your taste to find something that makes you feel defined. And you know, we always find those artists. There's always gonna be someone that defines you musically and you'll find that person like between sixth and like twelfth grade. What a great way to get into the origin story. Yeah, because I'm like, who are some of those artists for you, yo? Who were those artists for you? Oh, man. Uh, I always tell people I have a very interesting relationship with music because my parents own a skating rink. So I grew up in a roller rink. Yeah. And uh, all the DJs would play hip hop. And I was maybe like 9, 10, 11 at the oldest. And there was a DJ who left this big crate of albums in like the DJ booth of the roller rink. And I remember just going in there and they, they would tell us like, just take whatever you want. But it was all clean music. So, you know, just being that young, you kind of want the explicit stuff. But I, I picked up one album and it was Outkast, AT Aliens. And I just remember ah. looking at that cover and knowing like, oh, this is something. So I took that home and I, and I never stopped playing it. And that is, is something about guys from Atlanta that I've always loved. Uh, T.I., Cheesy, Gucci, you know, Southern rappers really made you feel at home when you played them because it, they were just like the soundtracks to what was happening outside. It never made you feel as if someone did not know your area, your location, your space. And that's what I've always loved about rap is rap has a great way of defining space. So you play rappers that make you feel like you're in Atlanta because you are. So that was always my thing. Like, T.I. was one of my favorite rappers because he just seemed to have, like, that confidence. He was a, a suave, like, rapper, and he had so much uh, charisma. So and then I got a bit. Oh, so I was just wanting to know your thoughts on that, like, that that opening album that had so much, like, I would say, not Atlanta production on it from Pharrell and the Neptunes. Uh-huh. Kind of felt like, uh, kind of felt like Slim Thugs, that found me drop with Star yes. Trek. Uh-huh. I think, but they're speaking lingo. They they're speaking with swagger. But I, those two albums kind of stood out for me because like the production was just so completely different from the surrounding area. It's it's interesting how that is actually true. It's so true, and I feel like I loved uh, Urban Legend. I think Ti's third album, Trap Music Two, when he started really working with DJ Toomp because I feel right. like Toomp gave him that southern dirtiness that kind of allowed the image and the sound to match. I think Pharrell saw uh, Jay-Z in T.I. He really wanted to give him those hit records, those records that was going to transcend him from the South. Toomp brought T.I. into the South. He, he kind of like held him down in the, the, the location of his home. And I think that expressing that over those kind of beats really did something special for him. So you can always kind of tell, man, the sound is so important for a rapper. You need mm-hmm. to have that right backing to define yourself. For sure, because when I'm serious came out, I'm like, okay, you know, I was expecting like more of that's more of that, but then everything else came mm-hmm. in. I was like, ah, this is different from what got me into it, but it also it fits. But uh I really like that that exploration. I feel you for real, like, all right, let's give him some mitts, but for real, he's got that <laughs> weird philosophical brain. He's probably like, I'm about to try to show everyone something that they've never seen before. See, I'm that kind of overthinker, and I'm trying to stop it. 
Don't, don't, no, don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't turn that off, man. <laughs> no, man, please don't it, do that. No, let me let me tell you why. Because you can you can have a vision and you can believe in that vision so strongly that you overlook the simplicity of mm. what you should be doing. Because mm. I think overthinking stops you from thinking simple. Sometimes the simplest answer is the answer. You don't have to like prove to the world anything. Sometimes it's just about getting it done. You and know. I do think that's why a lot of rappers, like the trap guys are so fast now because they're not overthinking. They're just trying to get it done. Yeah. You, you kind of reflect in something back to me that's like a radio 101 kind of thing. It's K-I-S-S, kiss, keep it kiss simple, stupid. stupid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I learned that the hard way when they told me to build a playlist for a paella party and they were like, what do y'all want to hear? And they were like, kiss. Loaded it up with kiss, and they were like, "What's with all the kiss?" I'm like, "You said kiss," and like, "I meant keep it simple, stupid." And I was like, <laughs> "Not a paella party, doc." At a paella party, they were like, "Damn, that, this paella is rocking." That is amazing. <laughs> please tell me, but please tell me that lick it up was on that list. <laughs> oh, it was a grab bag. Lick it up. There was like a dude. I went through. Never mind. I just. <laughs> and wait and wait. Maybe a prince kiss as well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious i wish i was there for that <laughs> i can only imagine no that's no. damn pay party this side of the rio grande <laughs> i tell you <laughs> oh doc you are hilarious but yeah like you said now you have to keep it simple but that yeah. just completes with me as like a fan like I, I, I like the overthought weird zen come off the mountain let's do something yeah. wild ah, is that I, i'm there <laughs> that's 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 my mode that's that's where i love to live but i feel like sometimes the mountain you just you end up in the clouds so i'm trying to find that middle ground between being like in that mountain because i i I like to imagine that i have a a vision for everything that i want to do yeah and sometimes that vision is so forward that i i try to rush to it like i'm always trying to keep up with my ideas versus Mm -hmm. just like go with like the first simplest thing. Like, no, I make everything complex. I you do everything. will. I will yeah. say that you will the older you get, because I'm much older than y'all, so I can tell you this. But <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm also an overthinker. And, and I'm, um, like, even when I'm on the air, like, I'm, I make things very complicated that people don't even really realize how much I've really put into my show. But, so much confidence in your voice. It was like, I got it first take done. Shoot. You have no idea what it took for me to get to that. You know what I mean? Like, and Ooh, it's, Say it again. They have no idea. They really don't. And I, But I think about my mentor, you know, Aaron Bernard. I think about DJ Romeo, you know, all those who came that taught me in, in my DJ Godfather, Shannon Chambers, Shannon One, like just the little things. I'll never forget what he said to me one time. I was wigging out about this party I had DJed or wedding or whatever. And I was like, and then I played this and then and he go, and he just looked at me real calm and he goes, did people dance? And I go, well, yeah. And he goes, then what's the problem? <laughs> and it was like, uh, see, oh, like, see, so yeah. Simple. Simple. So them doing backflips through the wall. That's yeah. what. And their hearts to explode with passion and say it was the greatest night of my life. It was all the perfect songs. Eh, it doesn't work see, like that. See, that's that's me. That's me. I want you to like. I want you to name your child after me. 
Like that's how, <laughs> that's how amazed I want you to be after reading one of my articles or after hearing something I've done. It's like, I'm always striving to make people react. And if they don't react the way I want them to react, sometimes I do get frustrated by that. But I've, I've recently gotten over that pretty much. Like I, you, they, you just deliver it. You just yes. deliver. That's all you can do. And they'll do whatever they do with it. But you must deliver. This and I have to say, too, as someone who I've, I've taught youth before and I'm working with youth again on a new web series. And I used to tell one of my youth pastors at the church, like, you, you do realize they're going to come back and thank you for this, like, 10 to 15 years later. Like, they're not going to tell you thank you now. So it's kind of like the way that's how we have to think of our readers mm, for you, yeah, yo, yeah. our listeners. They don't appreciate it in the moment sometimes but then it'd be like years i literally have people years from now that would come up or from before and be like i remember when you play blah 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 and i'm going i don't even remember what you're talking about but it <laughs> made an impact you know what i mean and so absolutely i got that from you when i when i i just felt that from you when i saw you at the greenwood cultural center you were hanging out with desiree des mm, got steve that's my dog that's my dog yeah we just, she just called me a little while ago. She's like, are you taking a nap? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I told her, I said, I wish I had had more time to really get to sit and talk to you just as a, a media person, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and you, he, he, Doc, he mama toasted me in the hallway at the Greenwood Cultural Center. And I didn't even know who he was yet. And I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, oh, your mama Tulsa. And I was like, I am. And then he was standing there with Desiree. But even Reputation now, precedes you. Yes, it did indeed. You. I guess. Indeed. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I just remember thinking like, man, I wish I had more time to like pick your brain and just really, you know, and now this is why I'm like, oh, cool. We get to do the podcast and we get to do this. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I'm, I'm super excited to, to speak with you more, especially on topics like this, because it's, it's my mind has spent a lot of time thinking about how you can do something that's going to have impact that you will not know about until 10 years later, 15 years later, 20 years later. And I do believe we live oh, in an impatient time. And it's just like, you kind of really want to get that validation now because yeah. it just, it confirms for you how you feel about something. You don't, you don't want to wait, but honestly, it's just like, that's, that's the reward in itself to go forward so many years and to kind of see that something that you did 10 years prior had yeah. impact you know it's not about 10 days it's about 10 years you got to play the 10-year game i think we have to quit quit learning how to seek validation from other people and just validate nice. ourselves because now not only do we live in a like era but we've got likes loves sad <laughs> wow care you know we have all kinds of reactions to make mm -hmm. to social media, whereas, and I took a social media break when I was sick and I was like, this has been kind of nice to unplug, like, and not have to see anything at all. I have to validate myself, you know? Mm -hmm. um, it's, yeah, you're right. It's a time that we, instant gratification must have it. Yes, man, social media kind of implemented that in our DNA. Like I'm about mm -hmm. to take a, a hiatus and I don't know how long it's gonna be. I, I'm saying seven days, we'll see. but. Mm -hmm. It was mostly because I think I just needed to spend time with my own thoughts versus yeah. seeing what other people were doing, how they were living. Yeah. And, you know, I don't I don't take for granted that people are able to express themselves 
like that. Like so much good comes from social media. But I also believe like we aren't really wired to be watching that much information, digesting that much information. Like I feel heavier when I'm just spending my time on my phone. It's like my brain's going to explode if I see one more tweet or one more Instagram post. It's just like, so this is I when I kind of, this is when I kind of want to be the media girl with you and talk to one of my peers. How are you mm. going to feel about having to unplug for seven days and not being able to keep up with what's going on? You know, you've got articles to write. You've got, you know, right. artists that you need to keep up with. Like that right. was my dilemma. Like I have no, I literally had to call friends and go, is there anything going on right now that I need to know about? You know? <laughs> Yo, can I be honest? Um, this, this, this break is a selfish break. And I have accepted that being selfish about that means that all that other stuff does not concern me anymore. Like what is going on outside of my bubble does not concern me. And I need to have that moment so that when I go back into that bubble, I can be my best self. I do think like when you unplug, you have to not only unplug from it in the literal sense, you have to do it figuratively. You have to unplug your brain. You have to unplug your thoughts. You have to unplug your concerns because the more you keep worrying about what you're missing, that's just FOMO. Like it could be absolutely nothing. You could literally spend seven days off your phone and miss nothing. Yeah. You know, like everything's not going to be groundbreaking. And even if you do see something groundbreaking, it's still going to be there when you come back. Mm-hmm. And that's my only thing. It's just like, well, whatever I miss, I'll catch you later. Or, you know, like I'm going to write my stories, but everything is going to be there. It's not going. That's what COVID taught me. Nothing's going anywhere. It's going to be there. Yeah. That's what I believe. I believe everything's going to be there. And if it's not there, then unfortunately, you know, you lose things sometimes. But you can't, a- you can't be worried about losing it. Right. And that's okay. It's like you start telling, you know, certain people like, yeah, find me in real life. you got my phone number yeah right (laughs) like i'm i'm accessible if you need something if it's necessary that's the thing it's like social media is a a lot of information but again you know you still got your text messages people can still call you if it's important if it's a 911 scenario you know you can be reached i'm only unplugging from an app i'm still in the world i remember an internet that was adless Okay. Do you you kids out there hear me? (laughs) At one time, there were no ads on the fucking internet. Okay. (laughs) I remember the day Facebook came out. I was in the dorms in the student union, and then my homeboy Bruffett, shout out Chris Bruffett, was like, "Yo, hey guys, we finally got Facebook." I'm like, "What the fuck is Facebook?" It's like it's something with college folk. And then I saw this thing expand and grow as Zanga and MySpace started to decline. And I started noticing that th- our thumb nation become a thumb nation and all this other stuff, man. Thumb like, nation. Thumb, thugs. thumb nation. It changed of, the game. Bunch of net bangers. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I never, I noticed, like, I looked the uh, the amount of activity that I output on social media and people, like, I hear people having to take breaks and I, man, I shoot, mm. Good job, Scott. I don't. I don't like to interact. I put you. You post your flyer. You got a good video. You post it. You stalk yeah. your ex. You get off. Yes. <laughs> it's like you know, I know you see me. See you out there. I got to put this content out. I got to promote this. I got to do that. Oh, but check out this funny story about this the yeah. other day. You know, 
But man, <laughs> you see so many dime store philosophy comments. That's the thing that, that makes me sick. It's like, I got a journal still. Like, I still have, like, what people would call a diary. That's where all that stuff goes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would be afraid to heap on, like you said, you're scrolling through so onto someone else's psychoses. Like, I, yes, yeah. yes. I don't want to hit, I don't want to throw that onto other people. See, and have that, them conflicting with what they're feeling. That's, that's me. That's me. Like, I never like getting too personal. I never like, I don't post no pictures. Like, I just feel like there is boundaries and crossing those boundaries for me feels icky. Like, it's yeah. like, ugh, like I don't, I don't like how it feels, but I think when you're watching so many people operate in a certain kind of mode, you start to wonder, is that the mode of operations? Oh, that and is definitely the mode of operations. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not healthy. I don't think it's healthy. I think there, there is something, I don't know. I think in a couple of years, we're going to see people having like real issues with social media just about yeah. like a social media addiction, you know, things of that. And we will start seeing things like that pop up because it's become such a hardcore part of our lives. Like I, I remember I that's happening the already. Oh yeah. There's yeah. a couple of documentaries on the Netflix kind of thing too, about mm, becoming internet celebrities and social media celebrities kind of thing. It was like, like you said, it's social media. I socially wouldn't go out there and do 70% of the shit that I see on here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that is not socially a thing that I would be getting down with. But yeah, it's... It's, it's accessibility. You yeah. got a lot of access to people's minds. And and you can find some great people. I've, I've, I've connected with some wonderful people on social media. And I'm very grateful for uh, the, the internet. I yeah. also know that the internet is just a tool. Yes. And I control the tool. If the tool is mine to use the way I want to use it. I don't have yes. to, you know, it's like a car. You get a car, you drive the car, you do what you want to do with your car. It's your car. You don't have to look at your neighbor's car and think you need to get a new car because he got a car. You know, it's just like, use your tool for what you need to use it for and then get off. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> say more about it because that is exactly what it is. Social media is a tool. So what and we're doing is we're endorsing for you to take, unplug, just unplug if just you're out there. Unplug. Just unplug. Take time out to just unplug, you know? Get, 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 get out of here. Get, get out of there. Get to know yourself in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a trip that you can kind of get lost at, at sea when you don't spend enough time with yourself in real life. Right. You know, which is also brought up to ask for that exact same reason because then you start getting inundated with other imagery that is just mm -hmm. like flashing mm -hmm. ads. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like my phone knows me way too well. Man, some of the things, some of the things that I just see, I'm just like, how did you know I was? You know, they listening, bro. Yo, they listen. But Man, can I bro. ask you a question? Have you ever just thought of something and it popped up on your feed like that? Yes. I, that's what got me going. I know Futurama. I didn't say this out loud. I know yeah. I didn't. No. Drama. <laughs> my iPhone has ESP. I'm convinced it can read my mind. Like, it's, it's weird, man. It's, it's weird. Sometimes even when I'm thinking of people, they'll text me. It's just like, wait, right? what? No, wait, I've been doing that before the internet, so that's a really good thing. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> it's just like, I just feel like the phone itself is, is starting to just become more than a phone. And yes. I, I need to check yeah. it. I need to make sure you stay a phone. 
I don't, I don't like FaceTime. <laughs> I don't like anything more than just using the phone for texting calls. Like I don't have games on my phone. I don't, I don't try to do too much on it because I want it to stay a phone. Ooh. I don't want it to be anything more than a phone. I found myself deleting a lot of apps when I had all my downtime because I realized I'm only using about four or five. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what, what, it, why is this on here? I don't need Zappo, whoever, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, Zappos. I love you, but I, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't want to have all these extra that endorsement. Apps. My bad, Zappos. <laughs> I, I just, you know, I, I don't want to have all these extra apps on my phone. Why am I having to flip through pages of apps? What is, what is all this? You know, so I'm with you. I got too many apps on my phone now. I might get ready and, and delete a bunch of them that take, I'm not even gonna miss. Take your be, unplug time to do that, yeah, yo. To, to clean house, just you clean have house. a purge. Yeah, I've been using the word purge. Like I've been using purge, purge, like purge. Uh, yeah. I've also been thinking a lot about like a garage sale. You know, you have a garage hey. sale when you start having, you start accumulating too much. Yeah, don't let my Aunt Polly find out. She'll be down in Atlanta trying to come to your garage sale. Hey, wow. <laughs> She's a garage sale queen. See, see, I don't see no garage sales no more. Like, I, I think that's a part of the, the new barter system. People are going to have to start cleaning house and making trades. So I, I really do hope that becomes a, a form of interaction between people is, you know, get rid of your stuff and, and make sure people can come get it from you. Well, as they say, one man's treasure or junk is another man's treasure. You know, it's like, my aunt, I love talking about my aunt Polly, so forgive me. I'm such a country girl. She takes little suitcases and turns them into coffee tables, but they're brilliant because think about it. You can store stuff down in it. You can hide your remotes. Wait, what? Yes, she, I'm going to have to send her my measurements, but she takes Etsy like, account about to blow up. Look, I'm, I'm going to have to set up an Etsy account for Aunt Polly for real, but it's, it's a little suitcase, right? And she paints it or whatever, and she adds legs to it. So it's like a coffee table or an end table. And then, you know, you can store things in it. I'm like, you know, I like keeping my nail polish and stuff and living, but I don't like it just sitting out. Now I can hide it in my suitcase table. I'm excited about it anyway. It's cute. It sounds cute. <laughs> I got to I need a picture. I'll send you one. Be on my back, but it ain't come from Bari. I take me a pet, make it feel like Jeff Hardy. Willow don't want bought the drugs at the party. I surf on the bitch if you heavy on Nolly. Playboy like Cardi, they really can't stand it. I gang with some niggas as solid as Brandon. So fuck with the flight, I suggest you on planet. When it come to them cannons, they sharper than Shannon. Give me three years, I be parking the Phantom. Ay, I made a plot in the pants with my mans to get bands, taking shots in Atlanta. Ay, don't want no clout for these niggas. I run in my way, but to drop to these niggas, hey, it's almost like off for these niggas, hey, I cannot vouch for these niggas, hey, young Charlie Chaplin, I don't do no talking, I post on the block with that pack on my pocket, these niggas cop, I see throwing like stockers, now when they bitch, we the 93 Rockers, now when they bitch, we like 88 Compton, they try to tarnish us out there, we accomplished, young Triple S, I be dripping the sun, we on the way, like Johnny Tsunami, you can call it justice, open up the bag, and you know it's where it must be, Mashing on the gas, and you know you can't touch me, I'm on the wave, baby, I'm in my B-A-D, why hate on me? Why Southwest D, Steph Curry, one three? When it comes to the fees, I'm excellent. Talent from God is heaven sent. So let's talk about your experience coming to Tulsa for the first time. I know that we were able to get a visual of that from the article that you had written for DJ Booth, but I really would like to hear you speak about it. You know, you were talking about, I've never had to pack like this before. Mm. Um, but what I really want to know about is what was your experience like while you were here? When 
I got to Tulsa, I, I knew that it was going to be like a different kind of vibe. It's just, you know, the airport's smaller than Atlanta. So it, just, it, it literally felt like stepping into a different place. And when I started to get around the people and started getting around the artists and starting to hear the music, I started to really realize how unique Tulsa was of itself. Like it, does, it doesn't really feel like any other place I've been to before. And, you know, you guys have your own, you know, your own slang, like even with like Feli, like I had on a Feli hat and, um, you know, a bunch of the guys would come up to me and, and talk about, you know, Fire Little Africa. And, you know, I didn't even know those two things were going to have a correlation. I'm just wearing this hat because I thought about Atlanta and I can bring that hat here and it means something completely different. And that's what I really liked about Tulsa is you feel like you went somewhere where people have turned phrases and they have turned things that might look one way on one side of the world, but here it means something different. Here they talk about things differently. They, they rap differently. They, their piece is different in a way that's just like, you wouldn't know it because you haven't been there. Like I tell, I've been telling people like, yo, you might want to just go to Tulsa because it's very hard to explain it without being like, I'm glad you guys brought press to Tulsa because we had to see it. We had to feel it. We had to live it because it's just not enough to hear a song. You need to see where these guys perform at. You need to mm. see who, um, like going to the mansion. Oh man, like just being in that mansion, it was so spooky. Yeah. And yet, yes. I, like I, I could not imagine. Vibes. Yeah, and, and you're making a rap album in there. You know, and you know, I think Chris told me, uh, what's the what's the guy's name? I'm sorry, I'm slipping on his name. Uh, Brady? So yeah, the fact that he died in the kitchen. Yeah, I was and only killed himself. Yeah, killed himself a... in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The and we're walking. Say what? I said that was the only place I wanted to record. I'm like, I need the place that's got the weirdest energy in this house. And thankfully, yes. it was my man Malachi on the boards. It was the the Red Wing Cafe for a couple days for that day. Mm hmm. And 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 I and I knew just being in that space that you guys were gonna tap into something else. Like you, you, you just can't record in a house like that and not take something extra into that verse or into that hook, you know, or the fact that we, uh, they were recording at the community center. Like I've never seen a rap album recorded in a community center before. And you have all these historic facts on the walls and all this black history and all this Tulsa history and you're hearing rap music being made. I think that was like the dynamics of being in a place where rap would not usually exist, where the production and the making of this music would not exist. And again, that's, that's about the, the Tulsa flip to me. Like you guys take things that you wouldn't even expect to be able to, to, to create a space for things like rap or for a rap album, or for a hip hop album. And Next thing you know, you know, you're, you're watching it get made. I'm really glad that you were able to experience it firsthand. I, I'm, my mind is keep going back to these phrases. I'm like, what are some of the phrases that you picked up while you were here? Oh, man, I wish I had more time to kind of like sit down and think, because I wanted to go back and play a bunch of music. But really, it's like Fire in Little Africa was like a really big one for me, because I, I haven't stopped thinking about it. Like just the, the idea of like a fire in Little Africa, and, you know, in that abbreviation, um, the town. Like, uh, I think St. Dominique has the song 
and just MC. The, yeah, like Love MC. Uh, first verse is another fire rapper that I met while I was out there. Um, Chasing Ryan, uh, that's the homie. Like I, I met a bunch of guys too, and a bunch of women, and a bunch of just great people while I was out there, and just kind of seeing how different they all were like i remember uh, saint dominique he gave out like this like trading card at one of the shows after his well, uh, was that which which uh, vinnie was that uh which was sound pony sound pony yes we, man that was an interesting venue too by the yes. way i feel like everything in tulsa has like a look and a feel and a vibe and it was kind of vintage and, and more of a throwback, uh, like rock music kind of hole in the wall kind of vibe where, you know, you go in there to hear the underground. You go it's in there like to hear a, the rap. It's like CBGB, mm-hmm. uh, CBGB's meets uh, Tour de France. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. For so, sure. you know, seeing things like that and like I said, it's, it leaves an impression when you're able to kind of connect with a place and and see how you wouldn't even imagine that would be there. Like, I don't, I don't know what I thought about Oklahoma and Tulsa for that matter before going there. But after leaving, I think the lasting impression was that you need to be open-minded when you step into a new place because you don't know what you're going to see. And I feel that way about everything. Like it really made me want to travel more, which is kind of a contradiction to COVID, which made me sit down. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. but it, it was very, very eye-opening that, you can have these little pocket communities where they have such loud voices. They're not, they're not being heard on a worldwide scale, but they're loud in their community. And, you know, anything loud in a small space, all you need is that door to open and it's loud in a large space. And that's something I also saw in Tulsa. I was like, it's only a matter of time before this place is loud. Amplification yeah. forthcoming. Yeah, yes, especially, you know, with the 100 year anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre coming up, there's obviously been more attention on Tulsa, more people, more eyes, there's gonna be more documentaries, just more Tulsa content. And with that attention, you know, the, the music scene and the art scene and all the creatives is they're going to have like a platform. You know, I believe when a when an artist from a city gets a record deal or has a hit record eyes go on that city and you know Tulsa didn't necessarily have a record deal but like history has caught up with Tulsa yeah. and that is bringing the spotlight now so in a way it's, it's almost like a deal and now you know we'll see what happens when people look in that direction I've been saying for several years now someone in our community and I, I say with love our hip-hop community um, is going to pop like, there, it's just, it's going to be, I used to say it was one, but now I'm like, nah, it's going to be more than one. It's too much talent here. And, and then that is only going to be like, well, who else is in Tulsa? Like, we know. Yes. You know? I, and I and I still feel like there's pieces missing to my hip hop history of Tulsa. You know, I didn't get here. I was moved here in 2000, but I really didn't get out onto the scene, I would say, until like maybe 2009, 10-ish. So when I discovered the Oil House crew, I'm like the fact that I get to sit here and co-host a podcast with somebody from Oil House. You want to talk about a fangirl moment? <laughs> like Doc Freeman is dope as shit to me. Like, oh my god! Like, I'll never forget the moment I saw them for the first time. And so it's, these are all the things that 
we in Tulsa are screaming to the rest of the world, like, just you wait. <laughs> like, yeah, we we just, just trying to blow up like Johnny Polygon, though. That's all we, just trying, we was trying to joke, blow up like Johnny, man. That was like the first cat from here when I was like, oh shit, so you've you've toured, you you've gone and done stuff. Cool. You've played in the arena, you got pulled on stage by Nas. Oh damn, okay. So you're from Tulsa. Any one of us can do it then. And then JB, same thing. You, you gets an opportunity to go on tour, get beats, work with like his favorite artists. Like, I mean, I say Dev Jux to people. Blankly stared at me like, don't do you mean juxtaposition? Like something like that. But uh to see that in that is another that's the Oklahoma City cat. Like we've had a couple of guys, but I feel like we have so much concentrated talent currently. Is definitely why I definitely feel like there's another there's another couple of pops about to pop pop. Pop 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 pop. See I've always said that what makes Atlanta music scene unique is that enough artists pop here where you feel like it can be you too mm-hmm. you know it's like you see an outcast and you see a ti and then you see a future and you see a jeezy and you see a gucci there's a point where you're gonna think well why not me mm-hmm. like if they're from the same neighborhoods and they're from this from the same area and they were doing the same things that i'm doing right now why can't i make it too and, and i think that the- fuels you yes definitely definitely much so like um i like getting to still work with younger cats because like i mean with atl like i look at all four records in the same respect mm. for these for these younger cats because like that is a that's like that's the underground now you know what yes. i'm saying and when they're using like a same kind of format and formula like your jesus your Gucci, even your ti because like you know they got that connection with maxo cream same mm. thing young cats coming up uh so yeah, definitely. What, what are some similarities that you've seen, like in Tulsa and ATL, like kind of specifically as far as like emergence of, of scene culture? Community. Mm-hmm. I think people look at community as a kind of like a clubhouse, right? Like, oh yeah, everyone lives in that clubhouse, and that's not exactly true. I think like community really is aligning with those who are creating like you're creating like you have to know who your peers are you have to know who your contemporaries are you have to know who you share the stage with and once you know those people and you guys are moving like not necessarily together but you are consistent and you're constantly pushing out not only dope music but you're supporting one another that makes something happen that Mm -hmm. makes a, a a push that's a collective push versus just one person knocking on the door and a collective push will always knock the door down. Now, not everyone's going to be able to run, be the first one to run through. And of course not everyone's going to be the biggest giant, but I think you can get more people through a door when there's a collective push happening. And you know, it's, it's consistency, it's hard work. It's a lot of people really wanting it for themselves and supporting those who also want it. Atlanta does that very well. Um, especially since I was at the Revenge of the Dreamers 3 recording studio mm. sessions that happened in January 2019. That was nice. uh, when J. Cole brought all of his artists from Dreamville and invited a bunch of other artists to kind of record for, I believe it was like nine or ten days. And I spent somewhere between six or seven days there just sort of just kind of hanging out. So being able to go to Tulsa and see a very similar foundation as far as 
like recording an album amongst a, a large group in a small space obviously you know they're a little different because atlanta they were in a recording studio and you guys just made made it happen where you guys were and also I, I loved about how diy it was like you guys were just ready to trap out of anything or anywhere to to produce this music so seeing what happened with cole and then coming to tulsa and seeing what's happening with fire little africa like i saw a continuity between how you can gather artists and how you can kind of encourage with like competition and encourage with community and the dope music that comes out of just being together. Yo, good babe. <laughs> I love the way you word stuff. Fucking yo, man, you word this shit well. Like, y'all see why you, you, the, you the man comes to the writing, man. Thank you, bro. You? Thank you, bro. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, see you I try. I try to be impeccable with my words. I mean, I, I love, I love, I love my folks and everything when I'm around. But it's like I feel like I'm like it's Aristotle, Plato, and Damascus. It's just we're sitting here <laughs> chilling, and we're just sitting here chilling. <laughs> He's an which artist, yo. Yeah, an which artist. which speaking of man, the the Greek the the mythology article, bro. Like soft spot in my heart. Like uh, oh, coming man. up, man. Beautiful. Greek mythology was like my thing. Uh, and the references and the sim and the the connections that you made with present day, yo, that was. And thank you, man. That is that reminds me of like vintage pitchfork before it went. You yeah. know, it's funny, man. Sometimes when I'm working on certain pieces, I start to kind of envision other websites. Like DJ Booth has been a blessing because it's given me like a space to carve out almost any idea I want to explore. Mm -hmm. So when I started thinking about Greek mythology, I was like, man, this is, this is like vintage noisy. This is vintage pitchfork. Just like, because I'm such a huge fan of music journalism. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of these sites. I'm a fan of these writers. So I'm always trying to contribute to like that legacy, you know, just through DJ Booth. And this piece in particular was really like on my mind because I just started seeing it started seeing these connections i had watched the gladiator i was just mm -hmm. doing like i when i when i start working on a piece i try to get all the way into it like i like everything i watch even sometimes the things i eat will be in continuity to what i'm working on because like i have to kind of like live the piece so okay. that I, I i know that it is a honest and true uh representation of how i feel about this idea like i'm always trying to get to the most honest truth even if it's just an opinion like your your opinion can be honest to you. You just have to make sure you translate that well, and hopefully that honesty will touch people. Mm -hmm. And you know, Greek mythology is such a fascinating you know form of writing because they really really nail these gods, these goddesses, these heroes, these heroines, and their stories are tragic, like real tragic stuff, but also real heroic real like life-changing things happen with Zeus and Aphrodite and and Hades you know like the choices they made as gods mm -hmm. impacted everything and everybody and I saw that with rappers man a, a rapper can 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 you know we saw it with, with Tory Lanez and Megan just like, like one choice can change how the whole world views you immediately and I saw in that action, I was like, see, it, it reminds me of how, like, if Zeus decides to just go sleep with a woman and get her pregnant, that's just, that. you just can't do that. You mm -hmm. know, like, those are, there's consequences, there's repercussions, there's effects, there's ebbs and flows to everything you do because you're that mighty. And that's how I look at rappers, man. You guys are very mighty people. 
There's a mm-hmm. lot of, if, like, or even being an influencer, you know, people chase that, that, that tag. Like, I want to be an influencer, but do you really want to be an influencer? Do you want you know, all that power? I want to say something about influencers. I had a, an epiphany one day. Someone asked me to be an influencer and I was like, no, nah, I would rather be a difference maker. Mm. I don't like that word. I don't, I think that influencer is like, I'm under the influence of something. <laughs> like that's the first thing I thought. We actually do a drunk driving prevention show about once a year around New Year's Eve. And I, I, that was why it was in my head. Like, I, I don't want anyone to be under the influence. It's like peer pressure. It is no, peer pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like dress how you want. You don't have to wear the hottest, you know, the new J's or whatever, especially if you can't afford them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Be a difference maker. Be a difference maker. I'm new to the platform of of Twitter. Like I've been on on there, on there, like maybe eleven months, and I am. I it that is where I understood understood influencers and influencing kind of thing, and it's very much like pushing. You're you're a pusher. You know what I'm saying? Where there, mm-hmm. no no matter how righteous you think the cause is, or if you're just trying to get this money. It, it, that's that influence push just push influence <laughs> has anybody watched i may destroy you yet on HBO? i haven't i haven't Fam. part of me I, okay i hear it's great but also i was a little i've been into this being late lately like if yes. enough people are talking about something i kind of dismiss it i do the oh, same yeah. thing i, do I, the same fashion, thing. I call it fashionably late like there's a yeah. bit of narcissism involved in there which it is got to be it comfortable is. with yeah, yeah, but no, yeah, I, I, I definitely late. embrace that. And because I'm watching the Michael Jordan documentary right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I still haven't seen Tiger King. See, I, I refuse to watch it. I accept okay, it. I'm not going to watch it. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, because that's the thing. I, I feel, and this is part of the purge, is yeah. I want to stop thinking if a lot of people are talking about something that I need to watch it. Yes. Like, exactly. or I need to read it. No, like, what do I want? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just you trying could, to get you could back literally to the watch a, a YouTube summary of the Tiger King. You don't. <laughs> what is what is it reading. called? Uh, Tiger King for dummies. Like yes. just watch that. You know, like, that it's, and it's all like with its social media and like you said with influence. It's it's down to trying to give us like that herd mentality. You don't want it to be the only mm-hmm. one without something to say at the water cooler on Monday. Yes. Uh, after something airs over the weekend. Uh-huh. Uh, that FOMO, you don't want to miss out because you don't want to be judged weirdly by your peers. Because... By being the outlier. Exactly. And... But that herd mentality, though, and more people need to ask the why. They need to, they need to do that. We need to do that, y'all. Yeah, like, you know. And that's the thing. I, I'm not against the herd. It feels good to be in the herd. No one wants to be by themselves. There's security. But... There's love. There's warmth. I, there's all protection. of that. All, all that good shit. But... I, I also noticed that sometimes what I'm interested in, the herd is not going that way. Man. And, and I and I started putting things on the back burner that I wanted to get into because I was trying to keep up with the herd. Mm-hmm. Like that Greek mythology piece to me was, it, it was close to my heart personally because I didn't see the herd like moving in that direction. I, I wasn't seeing people talking about that. So I was like, well, let me see if I can make this the conversation. 
You know, sometimes you have to decide that you like something so much that you want to see how they'll react to it. Even if they don't react to it, at least you displayed something that you're into. You know, I was reading about Greek mythology. I was thinking about Greek mythology. So why not add that rap line to it? You know, versus writing about whatever the hot topic of the week was, the topical things. You know, I've been trying to avoid topical. Topical mm-hmm. is necessary. But also, I think topical has a lot of voices. You know, when things are trending, it's because a lot of people are talking about it. And you can be a part of that, but do you stand out? Right. Sometimes to stand out, you have to go to where it's quietest and make Mm -hmm. some noise. I have to say, if I may show a little bit of my cynical side for a moment, but I pride myself on being a radio girl. Mm. I love radio. Okay. I learned it the hard way. I didn't go to school. I didn't, everything I learned was hands-on. I was taught by some of the best of my peers. And then when podcasts, and I'm saying this ironically on a podcast started happening, yo, Allie, you should get your own podcast. You should do a pod. And everybody. And I remember being like, I will do a podcast when I find one that I want to do that has purpose, that has meaning, special to me and I I can't play music no I'm cool because when I'm doing my show that's the focus is for me to play a whole bunch of hip old school hip-hop and R&B for you matter of fact did you know that the sample came from this track you know like that that I'm trying to teach you a lesson because I'm also learning as well I don't know everything about and I'm and so we're we're learning together right and now here I am and I'm like I'm glad I waited you know what I mean? I had, I had a lot of people pressuring me. Like, you should, you, do, 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 you should just do a yeah. podcast. You should do a podcast. And I'm like, I'm cool, man. Like, I, I feel you. I, I I'm, in, I'm in the same boat. Like, a lot of people tell me to do a lot of things. Uh, and, and they're always looking out for my best interest at heart. But I also realize it, it is weird that sometimes wanting to deliver that thing that's going to please someone else is not your vision so you got to kind of hold on to your vision and and sometimes you don't know when you're going to find that thing that's for you but you have to kind of believe that if it's meant to be that you're going to eventually get there and that's my only thing is i'm the same way people tell me like yo you need like to have your own podcast i do something to say because i love talking to my friends like john and christina my co-host like they're just some of my favorite people to talk to I can't imagine doing a podcast by myself right now only because I don't, I don't really feel passionate just talking. Like that's just not, that's not going to really get me up in the morning. That's not going to get me out of bed. Like there has to be something more to it. There has to be something for me to sink my teeth into that I think that is just going to like motivate me. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll find it. Maybe I won't, but I'm trying to get away from feeling like I have to do it. Like, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. Like, ah, you don't have to. You'll know it. You'll know. Man, I almost did a king cut. I almost did a king cut. Uh, When you get your moment, yo, you better own it. it. Uh, Like, like you'll just know. The podcast phenomenon, I definitely, definitely draws its parallels from, like, the reality TV phenomenon. Like, down to the phrasing where everyone was like, I should have my own reality TV show. Like, podcasts are now are now that kind of thing Ooh, that's a good it's comparison like, yeah and, and uh you said you're on the podcast with christina who is also a part of bottom of the map yes yeah she's amazing yes i i loved that we got to see that live 
Mm. You want to talk about geeking out? It was great. They, yeah. they they nailed it. It was such a great conversation. Yeah, that was a, a shout out to Circle Cinema for hosting that and and uh, Dr. Regina. Yeah, it was amazing. That was super dope. Yeah, because like that was my first time like seeing a uh, like a like a really big podcast like done like how did this is how they do it you know kind of thing. You all you hear them every week or uh, monthly depending on the output and everything. But uh, seeing that man, they kind of. I don't know. It it helped. It's definitely helped me doing this for sure. Like I always thought, like you got to This is everything's got to be set and structured. You got to. You got all these people. There's got to be somebody behind there with cue cards or something, something mm-hmm. like that. But not. It's just you get out there and chill and talk and have some on. But and I definitely feel you on like uh, Ali. Do you think you do like a just a solo show? Do you think you could do just like a an Ali Shaw show where you're just talking to the peeps? No, <laughs> no, because I want to play music. I, yeah. I, that's my biggest gripe about like remove the licensing issue and okay, <laughs> I don't have to talk to you a whole lot because when I have something to say, uh-huh. I'm going to take y'all. Even y'all hear me talking right now. Like, I'm gonna take my time and think about what I want to say because I want you to hear me. I should play my last break of my show for y'all today because I, I mean, I got I. I went into my mama Tulsa bag, but I was like, I got to talk to y'all about this COVID stuff, y'all. This is serious. And, mm-hmm. da, da, you know, and I was like, I'm sorry to kind of get all serious, but I need you to know, you know, and, and tell, you know, that everybody's story is not the same and et cetera, but we're not going to go into that. Oh, yeah. I, I would much rather play <laughs> music for you because there are so many songs that truly can express I know what it means to me, but if I play it for you and I tell you what it meant to me, I want to see, I don't even want to tell you that. I just want to see, did it hit you the way it hit me? And I have certain friends that'll send me songs. Our good friend, Alex Taman, he will send me a song out the blue and I'll be like, oh my gosh, this one hit me so hard. Like he has that, he's like one of my muses. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just... <laughs> He hits me with some stuff. Gary Mason, same thing. I started calling him Gary Muse. GM. So no, no, no music, no alley. Hey, alley ain't doing no. If, I could do one, but it might end up sounding like the 1976 film Network. Just me ha, rambling against the system. Just I'm I'm about to the, watch that soon. Someone recommended me watch it, and I'm going to do that probably this week. I, I haven't seen it, but it's so funny you just mentioned it because I. That's where that's where that's the mode this week. Okay, so listen, yo, after you watch it, you and Doc should do a podcast talking about network. <laughs> see, see, <laughs> I, I don't want to disagree, but also it's like that way of thinking. Like, man, I turn everything into something. Like yeah. whatever I do, I'll I can make it into an article or a podcast yeah. episode. And like I'm trying to turn that off. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to turn it off. I cause I feel like sometimes I just create work for myself. I'm just mm-hmm. always working. It's so hard not to do that because we're accustomed to sharing our experiences and whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about that unplugging. I'm actually, I'm excited for you because you're going to unplug, you know, I, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I don't know what's about to happen. You're, you're going to enjoy it. I'm telling you, I, I, I tell everybody, I went on this trip with, um, you met Malachi Burgess, Burgess, one of the I producers. So. Okay. Yes. And him and a, another good friend of mine, Sino, we, we went away on a day trip and just went to the, there's a natural falls state park. And I've been like, wanting to post my pictures from our trip and I can't do it. I'm like, nah, that day was for, for us. Like, 
I don't want anybody to see my waterfall. Like I did a couple of little things here and there, but I was like, I wanted, it's something about having that moment for yourself. Like all this TV and stuff that I've watched being sick. I was like, I don't even want to tell anybody I watched this particular documentary. It was for me or whatever. So I get it. Totally. Yeah. Trying to, to take things back for yourself is sort of like the mentality of this purge. Yeah. Um, Cause it's funny. It's like, I think about the woods a lot. Like if you go into the woods and you slay the dragon or you kill the lion, like the first thing you're going to do is post it or are, yeah. you gonna, or are you going to allow yourself to like realize that you just went in there and you, you, and you put your life on the line and you came out victorious. I feel like we always want to share moments, yeah. but do we allow ourselves to sit in them and actually like realize what they mean? And That's stand on top of the dragon with your sword yeah. in your hand, like, oh, I did that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and not have to pose for the selfie, you know? Yes. And not have to worry about, like, the composition of the photo or the caption that you're going to post, you know? Like, really just sit in something. Uh, I was talking to a friend recently, and I always kind of pick at him because he, he has a problem with finishing books. Like, he'll start something, he'll get really excited about it, and then he'll move on to the next thing. And, um, we were talking about how we're always moving on to the next thing. Like imagine reading a book and letting it sit with you for like a week and just like sit thinking about it and, and, and researching about it and just really allowing something that, you know, touched you enough to share to really allow it to like seep into your, your skin and, and really wear that. So I'm trying to get back to wearing the things that I feel like influenced me versus just sharing them. You're right. talking to one of those people. I have so many unfinished books, but when I do, uh, when I do, it's, mm -hmm. I, that's exactly the way I feel about it. I'm like, I hate when it's over mm -hmm. and it was a part of my life. And I, and then to the point where I'm like, I need to read it again. I just want to read it again. Like, like, like water for chocolate is one of my favorite books of all time. I'm like, I need mm -hmm. to, I'm, I, I'm Tita. I, I am her. You know what I mean? Like, it's so easy to become these characters. And I do it with certain movies and stuff, too. Films that really impacted me. Um, but, like, it's like you said, you need to sit with it and just let it marinate, you know, in your soul. I get That's weird about books. I got to finish that book. Because then I, like, I get worried that I won't remember if I restart the damn thing. So I'm like, uh, what was that? <laughs> now, Final Fantasy, different. I have that definite feeling of, I don't want this story then. Cloud, what do you do? No. I got to find everything. I got to draw this out. I got to get the Brady Games guide. I got to find everything to draw this out. I, I like the way you think. I, I, don't, I don't play video games. I, I've been wanting to get a system recently just as the outlet for, mm -hmm. uh, for play. Mm -hmm. Like I know, I know the homies got PlayStation, and they just use it for Netflix, or they use it to watch movies, they use it for other things. I'm like, I think I need a system to play games. Yeah, but that's the cool thing that they do all those things now. Yeah, but I just remember like having an N64, oh. and like that thing, that tool had one function. <laughs> like it can only do one thing. You put one game in, and you played it. And I think I've always appreciated. <laughs> the singularity of that like to build something oh that's what i'm talking about doc please tell us what now, you're holding up please now you're, tell us. now you're speaking my language i've got a legends flashback here that has 50 built-in games it's like a cheaper version of the raspberry pi but uh all the functionality that you can love 
Please uh, name some of those yeah. games, please. Uh, 1942, Dig Dug, Express Raider, Mega Man, Mega Man 2, Super Street Fighter 2, Pro Tennis, Strider, <laughs> the original Strider, ladies and gentlemen, and Bad Dudes. <laughs> bad Let me dudes. tell you, if I would have told eight-year-old Yo there was going to be a way for 50 video games to be compacted into a thing, he would not My believe me. He would be like, what are you talking about? What you mean you can have so many games in one? And again, I kind of miss just having one system that plays one particular kind of games and like you just had to kind of sit in it. I think that's when things were fun for me is when like I wasn't thinking that this thing can do a hundred million different things. Like mm -hmm. it is very simple. It's like it's a tool. It's a tool for enjoyment. You sit down, you play your game, then you go outside or some shit. But yeah. now, that's how like, I feel about Atari. Like I'm like, I just uh, want to play Burger Time or Pitfall. Like <laughs> I got Burger Time and Pitfall, Allie. If you wanna if you wanna get in on some, yeah. I, I got do, Burger I want some Burger Pitfall. Time. But now now you get a PlayStation 4 and it'll cook you dinner. Like it can <laughs> do your taxes, balance your checkbook. <laughs> Watch your kids, like oh yeah, all look, of them been watching kids. <laughs> so, uh, I think it's just really funny trying to have a relationship with technology and social media, but also stay very in reality, like Grounded. not allowing yourself to slip too deeply into the whole. Because it is, it's like it's like an alternate reality in a way. Yeah. You know, like social media and even just like the social tools that we use, like video games, like you can just play online. I remember when you had to have an actual friend come over and sit on your couch for you to have two players. Like there was no way around that. There was no Wi-Fi. There was no Internet connection. There was no friend code. It was like you had to have a friend. They had mm -hmm. to live in your neighborhood or they had the parents drop them off. So, you know, part of the interaction of playing games was like having a physical relationship with somebody. Now you don't even need to have that. They can be in like Italy and y'all can mm -hmm. be close to Steve, but like you never play together. It's right. interesting. So that's why I like, you know, I'm trying to use COVID as a means of reattaching myself to reality. And I think the pandemic really has in some ways allowed us to, you know, like we were talking earlier about find me in real life. Like, Hey man, if you have my phone number, don't send me a DM to Instagram, text me. Yeah, just you know what I'm saying? Me, man. Yeah. yeah. Like use man. your voice, send me an audio message. I like to hear people's voices. Yeah. That's about to be my wave. Now I'm tired of shooting texts. I'm just okay. going to do 30 second voice note. Boom. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, yo, 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 yo. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> that is very acceptable. Please, I do not mind those. <laughs> I just find like, yo, do it, yo, 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 do it. All about just good. I was just gonna say, who's gonna be who tip? Who's gonna be Busta Rhymes? We just need to figure that part out. That's it. <laughs> These roles. <laughs> that could be fun. That could be fun. I but yeah, it. just just getting back to the fun of life, I think, is really about to be uh, the next period for me, especially like working in media. I think we get very attached to work oh, and just yeah. being in work. And a lot of the reason is because work is fun. Yes. You know, like when you work in music, there's nothing 
that's not fun about writing articles about rappers. Like it's not a it's not a hard job, but it can be a, an exhausting job. You can be in it for so long and been working at it so like consistently that the job becomes a job. And you know, you don't really ever want something that you're passionate about, something that you love and something that you enjoy to become something that creates a form that you weren't anticipating. Now it's something else. You're not even looking at it the same way. You're not interacting with it the same way. And I've seen how that happens to me and to like peers. I've seen it happen to a lot of people where the job becomes a different job. And you know, you I, just want to make sure you control that. I remember there were moments um, when you guys were here during the sessions and looking at you through my media eyes, my radio eyes and, and thinking, gosh, there are times when they may not even be able to be fully engaged because you're constantly having to keep up with what's going on. COVID was happening, you know, mm -hmm. um, you guys were here, but then you still have to do your jobs. So there would be moments like I can remember one in particular at the mansion, everybody was sitting up on that second flight of stairs, you know, the second, um, uh -huh. right, right over there by the balcony. Uh, and it, you could tell that was just a moment like, hey, let me just have my head down on my phone for a minute because I got some work to do, whether it's checking emails, this, 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 checking tweets, reading notifications. Yeah. This and, that. and I was like, I knew that fit. I, I was looking at this group sitting there thinking, I know exactly what that is. See, you can't really unplug. That's you the can't. thing. That is the truth of it. Like you really can't unplug. And even when you're on a trip and you're, and you're working on a story, you're always working on another story. And that is the thing. I think like the, the, the media mind is a fascinating mind because you're always in between an idea. Yes. So even when you're working on one, you think about the next one. You wrote a pitch, you're thinking of the next pitch. You, you're working on this bio, you're working on this, you're working on that. Like your mind never stops working. And those gears turning, oh man, like that's the best feeling when they start. But I, and this is me personally, like I feel like my gears have been turning for so long that I need to slow them down. Just so about because how long have you, you pace it up? How long how long have you been doing that? Like what when did you really start? I started working with DJ Booth late 2014, uh very early 2015. So I've been with them about five years and they were my first real uh media job before then i was writing for like little blogs here and there just being really consistent in the atlanta scene and working with some like online publications but since working at dj booth it really kind of brought me into the media workspace and like being a part of a of a platform that had that reach and had that impact and had that touch in the community and it really kind of showed me how these jobs operate and how these people operate having to function um on a 24-hour like news cycle where you know music doesn't stop it's, it's the most consistent thing there is as far as like content you know drake can drop a song right now and all the blogs have to go writing and all the writers have to start thinking and this is it's the most immediate thing like i can check my phone i can have like a, a mp3 link and now i press play on it and, and next thing you know i'm off writing a story just yeah. because it happens that fast is this is the quickest way to work and like it, it really did like i think i'm able to uh hear music and get to the heart of it quicker because i'm so uh adjusted to thinking fast 
yes. thinking fast, thinking fast, thinking fast. But on the downside of that is you, you really need to take more time to just think about it outside of the story. Like, you're not, it's very hard to see 10 years ahead when you're thinking about the most immediate story. So like during this unplugged period, I'm just going to like allow myself to sit in things and not try and go with the very first idea or the second idea. I might see what the 10th idea looks like. Because that one, it might not even be the best idea, but because I waited so long to kind of see how I feel about it, it's probably going to be something I didn't, I wouldn't think of immediately. And that's, I'm trying to get away from immediate thinking and get more into long-term feeling. Like, how did it feel after sitting with it for six hours versus moving on it in six minutes? I don't that's know how not- it's going to work out, but I'm interested in thinking about it. I can relate to you on like in preparing for interviews when I know they're coming. Okay. Like my very first interview ever was LL Cool J and it was on the phone and I wigged out like, but I knew exactly what I wanted to, by the time I got there, I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to say to him, what I'm going to ask my first question. This and it is, and it was a great interview. Um, but what I really am looking for is I love getting to know these personal stories if they choose to share. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like hearing what Fonte's first rapper name was, (laughs) like, you know, when he was a kid, like stuff like that. And he, and, and getting that laugh out of them, you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh man, I can't believe you asked me that, you know, like we all know, we were talking about Nardwar on the last episode. I'm like, yeah, it's it's like that, you know, (laughs) but you still have those moments. Like you said, that Drake single that dropped and you got to hurry and write about it. Somebody at any moment can walk in there. Yo, Snoop Dogg is here and he wants to interview in the next two minutes. What? Oh God, yeah. you ain't got time to prepare. You just gotta know. You gotta flip that switch. Yeah, it, and you just it, gotta it's do a it. good. It's a good thing, man. It's a good thing where you could just cut it on. Yes. I just, I just, I love it so much. But again, I think that you have to kind of remember that that mode of operation outside of that space, you got to get back to your life. You know, you go back to a place where Snoop Dogg's not just walking in. Yes, <laughs> I think when you work from home, I think you're always on. Like I, I realized that the internet is a tool. There was one point of time where you could log out of it. You know, you know, when, during dial-up, you couldn't just be on the phone and be on the computer. You had to pick one. Yeah. There was t- there was a time of separation, but now there is no separation. <laughs> See, man, I, I kind of miss, miss I miss dial-up. I do. It means you yeah. had to make choices. Oh, yeah. You had to pick one. You had to pick one. Now, like, we have too many options. It taught us patience with buffering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be so patient. How do you patient about everything? Y'all, I wanted to ask y'all earlier, because you were talking about using the internet for the first time. Can you remember the first thing you looked up when you got on the internet for the first time? Can you, can you remember, like, what you, because Doc was saying, well, there's no ads. There were no ads. I'm like, I don't remember that either. Flash games. I was like, I was a kid. I just remember I wanted to play games. That was it. We were just on games. I think the first thing we looked up were codes for Warcraft 2 or Warcraft. But yeah, it was Warcraft 2. Yeah. I was just trying to find out more information about Tupac. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And then what was the inevitable? Inevitable the inevitable search? LimeWire. Yes, man. man. Game changer. I miss LimeWire every day. I never did Napster. I only did LimeWire. I yeah, did. I did Napster. I, and and then uh, LimeWire was, whew, yes, definitely game changer. Broke. I broke computers. 
<laughs> I was just about to say, man. <laughs> then the whole thing just shuts down. Man, yo, LimeWire getting stopped the way it did. Like it was here one day and gone. Just I was, gone. I was devastated. I didn't know what to do for like two days. I'm just like, felt like I was walking around lost. Like, like my girl just broke up with me. That's that was how with Kick-Ass yeah. Torrance, man. When Kick-Ass Torrance shut down, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I miss that's I f- that's how I learned more about Bill Withers. Like oh, I wow. knew very little about him, and and it was a conversation that I was having with someone on LimeWire, and I'm like, is this real? And then I'm like, well, who is? It? Well, it's really like that. You should check out the rest of his work. And I was like, I'm so glad that I talked to this random stranger on LimeWire about Bill Withers. <laughs> Man, I would never talk to anyone on LimeWire for real. Like, what are you doing, <laughs> Ali Shaw? I was naive. Oh, oh man, LimeWire. <laughs> no, it's a Nigerian and he's asking for eight hundred dollars. I was safe. I was safe. No, no, no. I, I agree with Doc. I think LineWire. No one, no one but pirates use LineWire. You were on oh, yeah. some grimy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you were looking for music and downloading whatever because LineWire was like an open market or whatever you wanted. It just felt like the black market. You could find anything. It, it was your glimpse that into the dark net. It was your glimpse into the dark net. It was. It was. And like you could just like download things and leave it up and come back and it's on your computer. You spend no money. Like it was ridiculous. Like uh, we would like to enforce that you purchase all of your video games, music, <laughs> TV shows, uh, from all the respected and distributable platforms. Yes, absolutely. Support I, the artist. Did you guys happen to see support the industries? Please, did please support did the artist. Did y'all happen to see that Bilal is recording an album? Over this past weekend, it was like a three-track EP. Has anybody been watching any of this? I no. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. No, so just no. look it up later. But basically, it, it's like, imagine being able to be a fly on the wall during his recording process. It's amazing. And I've always wanted, I've, I've gotten opportunities to do that here locally. But like to be, to be able to like feel like you're sitting in the room watching Bilal, you know, figure out the phrasing in this track or coaching Jamie Woods on no I want you to sing it like this instead of ah I want you to say yeah and I'm like oh he's so brilliant see these are those moments that I'm I'm really living for and I'm like I can't believe this is our life and anyway let me the point I'm trying to make here is that does any, if anybody remembers the album Love for Sale from Bilal that it leaked to the internet to me is his greatest album, one of my hmm. favorite of all time. And you can still listen to it on YouTube, unfortunately, but this is exactly why if I'm buying a Bilal album, I'm paying like double. Like they, they have it to where they, they set it up on Bandcamp so you can get these three tracks. And they said, well, it's worth this. I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna do like triple that. You know what I mean? Because I feel bad for having that love for sale album for free. See, see I feel you. I buy so much to say for every Jay-Z album I've ever downloaded. <laughs> see <laughs> like, like i always feel like kind of bad about piracy but the thing yeah. is and, and this is and this is the way i don't ever want to justify it but i do believe people need to have access to art because you just don't know when you'll need it like it mm-hmm. might it might mean everything to you it might be priceless like what is what it's going to do for you what it's going to do for your thinking what it's going to do for your for your body for your mind for your spirit like that's why like i try to always buy the things that mean the most to me but i always like to preview it you know i always try to have access to things first so that i know that i'm not just spending my money but like i'm investing 
in this brand. I'm investing in this person. I, I want to make sure <clears throat> they're able to continue making art. Not, not all art's going to do that for you. You know, some of it is going to be kind of passive. You'd be like, oh, I like that. I, I like that. I loved it. But like, who do you want to invest in? Who do you want to encourage to keep doing what they're doing so that you can be full from their craft? I think that's how we should spend our money on artists. It's not just about buying everything they do, but making sure that you spend with those who enrich you and, and bring value to your life through their craft. Yeah. Oh, it's it's totally. important not only to stream, but download as well. Download, download, download. Mm -hmm. Well, because yes. that's the cool thing about the contemporary uh, technology that we have. You know what I'm saying? Back in the day, you got a disc, you got a CD. I mean, sometimes you got some skips, you know, depending on the artist. Now, mm -hmm. you ain't got to worry about skips. You can buy direct tracks off of that album. If the, if, if, if the preview's not popping for you, I'm like, okay. And then you got the songs that you want off that album. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you can still, and then you're still supporting that artist, even though like, what, the ratio for payouts on downloads is still it, kind of weird and skewed in insane the breakdown of the payment scale streaming too is just you know pennies on the dollar or we you know back to cds is like i like you thought because i remember mm -hmm. looking at cds like this shit is 27 bucks after tax when this album that just came out and then you see and then the, like you notice like the labels they they ain't paying these artists and that's why artists end up going into the game with subsidiary areas and uh their own llc's so they can get more of their money because they gotta fight to get more of their own money that they're making they need to take that master p route and watch the no limit chronicles again oh man that was dope. that was dope I, I, I need to watch it i still yeah. haven't seen it hey that, that that's one of your things that you put on your list to watch for later indeed Politicking with the G's, hold up, bitch, freeze, beg for it on your knees, all my homies bow cheese, from the T to overseas, try to tour and make a shake, I ain't got no time for romantic dates, I'm all gas, no brakes, and my city is give and take, ride slow down pine, only hit the block to clear my mind, it remind me of previous times, I don't live in the past though, I just use it as a reference point to grow, I feel my OGs around me, the same ones who put me when my vision got cloudy, the same one, a one day one. Put some on your brain, put some in your pockets. Now we stack funds for the faction. So we wanted to pivot a little bit, man. Um, uh, and asked if you, have you had a chance to view the HBO series Watchmen, man? As we talk of talk about Tulsa and Greenwood in these in these weird times, in the weird similarities and parallels of of what they talk about then and what we're experiencing now. I promised Chris that I was going to watch it before this conversation. And I did, not, I did not keep my promise. I, I've seen the first episode twice because okay. I watched it. And then I took a break and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to finish it. And I never got through it. And it was just because timing, unfortunately, for me did not line up to sit down and, and commit to the whole thing. But I, your I industry wanna... definitely <laughs> gives me that implication. Now, you don't have time to sit and chill. Yeah, just and just, and, ah, but I know that it has a lot of relevant content in that series, and I and I noticed in the first episode what really grabbed me was the way the police officer in that opening scene had to get permission to disengage his gun. Mm -hmm. I remember just seeing that and kind of being awed by it, like, wow, like would that be possible? Like in our lifetime, 
if we do have police, is it possible that they would have to get permission to disengage their gun? And of course, before he was able to disengage, he ended up getting shot. And I was like, well, I, don't, I couldn't really tell if that scene was a critical analysis on police protocol from a, a perspective of danger or mm-hmm. a perspective of what keeps the person safe. Like who is safest in this scenario? Is it the cop or is it the person they're pulling over? And whose safety matters more? And they ladled layers on it with it being like a black cop in a yeah. uh, the the white defendant um, mm-hmm. with the word with the you know you know I don't want to so, give anything away so, but yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But see, but <laughs> yeah that's they, why I know I know there's a lot in that show and, mm-hmm. I, and I need to sit down and digest the whole thing but you know like that first episode did leave an impression like I haven't forgot it I haven't been able to remove those images from my mind so. I know that they're doing a, a job that is successful when you, you know, you, you see a lot of content, you watch a lot of things, not yeah, everything's, but like that, the Watchmen has, has, has stuck with me and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting into it for real. So it's well, so to talk about it again. Yeah. Go ahead, Ali. Oh, I just was going to say, and you, so you were able to see like the scenes of the race massacre. Yes. That were recreated and, and mm-hmm. I think for me that, even the first episode kind of made me go, I don't know if I can keep watching this. It was hard. It was hard to see that. And um, especially for those of us who live here, I'm like, and that even for me, like I was 25 before I even knew anything about the Tulsa race massacre. And I'm here in Oklahoma. I'm an Oklahoman, you know, that, that was one thing I, we wanted to ask you earlier about what, what, what did you really know about the massacre before you came to Tulsa? And it's kind of wild. Um, May 31st is my birthday. Mm. So the first, that's when I, when I noticed the day that the massacre started, it was like on my born day. So it was just like, well, that's a very interesting connection. So mm. I've always felt like a bit of kindred spirit to that moment in history, just because like uh, on my birthdays was me, Walt Whitman and the race massacre all happened on May 31st. Walt Whitman was born on May 31st. I was born on May 31st. And the race massacre happened on May 31st. And I looked at those three events and just was like, well, I'm still not the biggest reader of Walt Whitman, but I remember I went to Philly and he had a bridge. And I was like, yo, how did he get a bridge? He was just a poet. He got a bridge? I want a bridge. And that's the way I think about things sometimes. Like, people born on days or events that happen on days. It's like, there's, there's something special about that day. And yeah, me and Mike Tyson had the same birthday. See? Wait, uh, you said Mike Tyson? Oh, yeah. Me and Mike Tyson. Oh, that's dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, man. I also have anger issues, impulse control problems, but I'm also much <laughs> mellow now because of cannabis. It's all good. You know, but, like, I do think there is something about days and what happened on those days and in the way people are born later, you know, but the the things that you have in common with people born on your birthday, it's just very interesting to me. So I've definitely felt something special about that day, about May 31st, even more so after finding out about the race massacre, but I didn't know that much. I was kind of, I did a little research and there wasn't a great deal out there 
like there's more and more now but like if you go back pretty much like the 2000s early 2010s you're not gonna find a lot of information about Christmas. so i, I kind of feel weird not knowing more about it and i definitely felt weirder after leaving tulsa and all the history you guys were able to teach us had me thinking like how did this not make my 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 high school you know how did it not meet me in middle school like how all the things that we've been taught this is pretty significant like -hmm. this is very important historical facts just to to think about a a prosperous black town you know like a place where where the black dollar was thriving you know you know I, i think it's important to show people not only like the the damage that came but like what was happening before that massacre how they were living what they were building how they were thriving that community in tulsa really thrived and you know when people talk about supporting black businesses you know they they're they're really talking tulsa they're really talking about something that actually happened in history that they could that they could actually point to if they knew it existed but hiding even that fact, like I said, not even talking about the massacre, but just hiding the fact that this place existed where black people were thriving and to erase that from the map. Like, I think you're just doing your, 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 your people a disservice by hiding that information. You, you never know how it can make someone feel to know that something like that has happened and can happen again. Like, had I known in like primary school, middle school, high school, that this state had the most black towns. You know what I'm saying? Like this country is built upon and comprised of the literal blood, sweat, and tears of a particular race of people. But you you can't even get a mention that also Oklahoma is a place where there were several predominantly just black, they were black towns, black built, black owned, black, black towns. You know, and then like uh, you have to pay money into institutions to like even find out the true history about the folks that were even originally here. And I live in Oklahoma. Like, I feel like these resources should just be available and, and around and out and around all the time. But I had to pay into an institution to have to get the access to that knowledge is wild. Wow, that is wild. Same. That was my story, too. I went to school at Tulsa Community College. Um enrolled in an African-American history class. And a lot of it is, you know, for personal reasons, like, well, my, my daughter's half black. And so I'm like, and I'm single mom at this point. I'm like, I need to know a little more. <laughs> like this just, I need, I need a little more than what I've been taught before. And it comes up in class and I was devastated. It was just like, why am I just, I lived two hours from here. Why am I just not hearing about this? And I almost started crying in class. And several of my classmates were like, oh yeah, you you haven't been down to Greenwood yet? No. You know, I I was going to Metro campus downtown and oh yeah, you need to go over to uh, Greenwood Archer and Pine. You know, that's where the Gap Band is named after that, those three streets. And they're just telling me all these things. And I even went back and found my textbook not too long ago. Cause I thought it had to have been like a whole chapter where we were talking about it. It was a paragraph. Wow. And that was in my African-American history book. Wow. So thank God we had someone like Hannibal Johnson who wrote the story Shut about Black Wall Hannibal. Street. Yes. And he came and, you know, talked to our class. And of course, my instructor was, you know, she's the one who really 
gave us more than in, in depth. But yeah, it's it's the same. It's always like interesting to hear other people's story, you know, like that. So what you experienced and you didn't even know anything about it. Same thing was happening here in the city. Yeah, that's the loudest part. That's the loudest part to me realizing that even the people in Tulsa were not made aware of it until pretty recently where mm-hmm. that like that that knowledge of what happened was was like an open dialogue. Versus yeah. being behind closed doors, you know. Which I was also curious, like where um, you have like your peers uh, there in Atlanta, where they hooked into the series, did they tap in? Was there I, something Virginia discussed in small I, circles? I've definitely seen people talk about Watchmen, but mm. I think getting more and more conversations around the race massacre right. has has started to build out. I, I remember probably right before my birthday. I sent out a tweet about how it was going to be the 99th anniversary of the race massacre. And that tweet, it did some pretty good engagements, you know. So people are definitely intrigued by this this interesting secret. Because mm-hmm. it is a secret. It is a secret. And that's something that I really took from Tulsa is the power of secrets. Like, you can really change the world by what you hide. Like you can change someone's whole perspective if you tuck things away well enough. And I think America is a country of tucking things away. Mm-hmm. It really taught us to keep secrets and to hide things. And so, you know, I, I, I always say America is a well-dressed man who has no money. But you can't... Say it again. Yo, say it again. You can't tell because he is well-dressed. You will never be able to imagine there's nothing in his pocket. He's very convincing. Who was it that said they had a Louis Vuitton bag with two pennies in it or something like that? (laughs) Exactly. Like, you have a very nice Gucci belt with no money. And I think that the more we see conversations around Tulsa and it's an election year, the more we're going to kind of get the understanding that the race massacre is not only a product of America, keeping it a secret is also a product of America. They wanted that hidden. They wanted to keep that away from people. And now that it's coming out, it's like it took a hundred years for this thing to be wildly known. And it's still a secret. Like it needs to be in all the history books. It needs to be taught for Black History Month. It needs like uh, so much has to happen to get that to the point where it is common knowledge. And that's very powerful to become common knowledge in a world with so much information. Yeah. Like it travels at the speed of mm-hmm. saying every letter of each of these words. <laughs> but we need, we need history. We need history to be properly documented and we need people to understand what happens in this country. Because like I said, this country is really about lies, even from the way it was discovered with Christopher Columbus. Like the yeah. story of him discovering America is so mind-blowing to me. It's like, you can't just go somewhere and were claim there, it. Where people were already there. Yeah. <laughs> people, people were there, bro. You, you can't claim their land. You can't take what's theirs and call it your own. You can't discover something that's not lost. We didn't the British had a good sense to say we're taking this. Yeah, like you guys are thieves, <laughs> which is you know that's human history, man. That is complete human history. Yeah. Ottoman Empire, British Empire. But we can't, but we can't rewrite history 
and hide the thieves and make them like these great discoverers. Mm-mm. You can't make these men into statues when you know what they did. And that's the problem. Like, man, America will make you a monument knowing that you were not a monumental person. Mm. Hitting licks, which is fine. People hit licks. But, like, don't pretend like you were more than the lick hitter. I keep thinking about, I wish I could time travel sometimes back to that time because also there was a pandemic happening just a few years before the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. Kansas City, St. Louis. Yeah, but I just, I want to know, like, this was right, what, eight, 1918, right? So, mm-hmm. like, what were they doing around this time? And I'm so intrigued. I had a friend just recently tell me that researching, like, periods in history where there are like pandemics seeing how they were reacting to it and seeing how like the art that was made during those time frames because mm-hmm. that's what i'm so intrigued by not just what kind of art we get but like what people choose to make in a pandemic and all my years of being alive i've never experienced one before and like i know that i'm not going to be the same person when i leave here so i'm assuming everyone's going to be a little different and i have to assume that in the past pandemics changed people like, it yeah. forces you to change. It's, it's the craziest thing because you don't see it coming. But, like, it sweeps in, completely destroys whatever sense of normalcy that you have. Like a thief and, in the night. Yeah, and now you have to kind of rebuild. And that's, and that's a big reason why, like, I don't think I was in such a rush to just get back to life. I wanted to know what was I going to build. If I was going – if this was going to change everything – and you want to be, if you want to take the time to find out who you are and what you want to be, this is the time. And you got to come out of here and commit to who you, who you choose to be, who you choose to be in this new world. Amen. I, I've been on that. And I, I've even been trying to, you're kind of hitting my heartstrings a little bit right now because like I personally experienced COVID and I've been having to tell certain friends like, hey, I'm not really the same. You know, I'm different mm-hmm. right now and um, I'm handling things differently and whatever. And it's hard to explain that. It's, it's hard. And, it, and it's, we're literally all going through it. But then when you've been one of the people that are sick and I start thinking about what are the people who've been in a hospital feeling like? What right. are those people feeling like? What are, right. what are our healthcare workers feeling like? Um, any of our emergency personnel. My daddy was a volunteer fireman. Like, what are they feeling like? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine. So, and then what, when you said that about the the art, you know, what that's one of the first things I said when this happened. I said, "This is the time for the." There's a tweet somewhere on my li- timeline. There's, this is the time for the creatives. Y'all just wait to see what they come up with. It's, it's gonna be ridiculous. I'm I'm hopeful, but and this is the only thing that I kind of had to change my mind on is placing expectations on people to um, live up to our standards during a pandemic, because yes. I think everyone needs to have time to like really figure it out first. Like I think I'm definitely someone that was just like very gung ho about rushing into the pandemic working. And then I think I hit a point where like I was I wasn't just really feeling burnt out on work, but I think I was burnt out on thinking because I was mm. I was I was trying to keep my headspace in the job 
but I could not get away from that everything was changing. Yeah. And like there's a disruption there because you can't really lean into the change when you're trying to stay the same, trying to work the same way, you're trying to operate the same way, but you're not acknowledging that this is not the same world that it used to be. And I and think all n- creatives have to go through that. Go ahead, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say, and maybe you're not okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yo, it's okay to say you're not okay. Yeah. I, I just learned that. I learned that probably like two days ago because I uh-huh. thought you always have to be okay. Like, what's the point of positioning yourself or presenting yourself any other way but okay? You don't that's have to what, be okay, yo. No, no, no. But that's what I thought. I thought you had <laughs> right. to. Because, like, what, like what, what are you presenting if you're not okay? Exactly. One thing right. that I read, you were saying that earlier about during this time, you know, those of us who you go in and you become, the, you know, I even said that about just wait to see what these creatives are going to come up with. Mm-hmm. Um. And based on the, the quantity of work that they do, it could be one brilliant piece. Yeah, <laughs> it could be 15,000. We don't know. But understanding the importance of, I, saw, I remember reading something in the very beginning that says, if you don't come out of this with a whole new business and you're an entrepreneur and you haven't come out, then you ain't been doing nothing. And somebody had scratched out everything that it said. It's like, it's okay for you to just like try and figure shit out right now. It's okay for you to not be okay, basically none of us really are and you know even on the mental health side of things it's like there are some of us that have been dealing with some of these kind of things for years that it's like oh welcome you know I I, I read something or heard something about D-Nice it was him Mm. saying like he dealt with some you know D-Nice getting all these hits on his Instagram live videos and whatever and he even said something he dealt with some depression at some point and it was like yeah, man. Man, see, and you would not expect him. Not to be at all. Not D nice. Especially when he's popping. You know, I think people look at you when you pop in as if everything is okay. And that's part of the presentation. It's like once you reach a point where it looks good, you want to feel as good as it looks. But mm-hmm. that's not how it works. You know, like some days you have Robin a day. Man, that yep. broke my heart. Yeah, Robin Robin broke my heart. That was like I just like someone telling that was when I first heard like Santa's not real. What do you mean Santa's not real? Is like that kind of feeling. It's like how does the like the dude who has brought so much joy to countless generations, or excuse me, to a couple of generations, to countless lives, you don't know what they're dealing with, kind of thing. And then the art that they have to keep having to produce while they're dealing with that, which you know, school circle like yeah, uh, reminds me of a article from the BBC in their in the, their culture section, but they was talking about art through plague eras and plague art. And mm. uh, uh, like how these artists were producing art for the time, like Rockwell, but this is during pandemics, during plagues. Um, and you see like that work of just emanating the feeling of that time which is that depression that we end up having to face ourselves with when it's like this shit is everywhere this shit is literally everywhere everywhere and we got to deal with it and express it artistically um because that's the vessel that you know Mm -hmm. that's been implanted into us um and we got to keep like like driving that and showing it uh and i saw like a watercolor series of everyday life of people in masks and I was like, dude, normally I would have been like, this is odd, but I like it. But now I'm like, nah, this is real and I feel it. And it's like a whole different kind of like. Yeah. 
hits different. It does. That realization of there are people in Italy doing the same things we're having to do. This is wild. It was a very humbling experience to recognize that not only is the world a big place, but we can all go through something collectively. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I don't think I was ever that aware of the world as I have been since COVID-19. And I, I do think it's a bit of an American mindset that since oh, sure. the, you're number one, you think you're the biggest and the baddest. So mm-hmm. you don't really pay a, as much attention to those around you because everyone's looking at you. You're not necessarily looking back out. Mm. And uh, it really made me want to look out more and kind of, you know, research more about what's going on in India and research what's going on in China and Japan and all these different places and all their different cultures. Because, like, we saw with Italy, man, their lives are big changed. They're, mm. they're not going to be the same after this. I don't think no one is, but especially Italy, because we watched it, it happen there first. Mm-hmm. They were like the, the 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 first example of what the worst case scenario could be, and and that's my big disappointment about America is like it didn't start here, but how did it dominate us? And we can when we saw what was happening to to a whole another country, like how did we not mobilize on this in a way to protect our citizens? Which is something that I I wasn't surprised in how we handled it. I have thankfully through uh, my introduction to soccer, AKA football, like I'm always getting something from somewhere else. And I have been since like about 2006, when I got really, really into like Bundesliga, Serie A, uh, La Liga in Spain. And then of course, Premier League in England. And even listening to NT, uh, NTS radio, like some of my like favorite underground DJs are on there and to hear the way that they talk about the same thing that we're dealing with and we're over here like oh fake news and blah 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 how come I gotta go outside and wear a mask and then like the 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 remorse the the tension in their voices as they're trying to get through a radio set like it it's like night and day how we're handling it versus the rest of the world mm-hmm. it's so so it's so weird like uh like I just like I can't believe how how oddly we we're mucking about and have mucked this up. But, can't, yeah. can't, can't believe it. that's one thing I, I'm interested in how the history of books are right about America. Yeah, man. <laughs> what are they gonna say? It's not gonna be good. It's not, not gonna though. be good. It's not gonna be a good chapter or a couple of chapters. It, it, no, it's not. My mother said something the other day. She read something where for the first time in a very long time, um, they pity us. They mm. pity Americans. The other countries have yeah. pity for us. And it's like, imagine, like you said, we're supposed to be the number one country. And we, it's kind of like we put out everything. And I, I keep thinking about my experiences with um, when I'd been on mission trips and coming back across the border from mm. Mexico and being like, we are selfish Americans. We are incredibly so. It, it was so many little things. It, those trips changed me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We don't know how to sacrifice. That's why it's not, not even a, it's not a matter of yeah, just mismanagement from the topest level. Like even down on our personal levels, like we don't want to give. No, we don't want to sacrifice. If someone else dies, fuck it. That's right. And when we start making God's those, will, brother, it's God's will. <laughs> when we start making those so little bad. small changes like that that they can you know 
bleed off and, mm-hmm. into other it's gotta you gotta start with little things <laughs> just oh, yeah. small, you like, have to start small changes lead to big changes that's also something i learned during COVID 19 is you can have a big vision for something mm-hmm. but like unless you do the small changes that's going to lead you to that vision you're never going to get there you're just looking at an idea from afar you're not getting any closer to it because you're not doing the small things that allows you to progress toward it and like i, I had to really check myself because I, I started wanting things but i wasn't working for them so i had to be like no you take it back to the basics you want something you start implementing the changes to get there and then you arrive you don't just rush out the door because you think you can get there I'm like no that's not that's not how this works and then even mm. when you arrive, you don't even realize you've been there for a minute. You're like, oh, <laughs> I've been here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the whole time. But like, that's I've the thing. You it. have to, you got to be careful with your mind sometimes because your mind is going to try to sometimes lie to you and tell you that you're not there. And it yeah. makes you want to get there. And the problem is you didn't look up. The whole time, you just had to look up. Mm-hmm. And you would have seen that... Uh, you you were so much closer than you thought you were. Man, gosh, I, lo- I love talking to you, yo. <laughs> this has been fun. This has been a great combo. Man, you guys have been a joy. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I did want to ask you a few questions going back to mm-hmm. your experience with the sessions and being mm-hmm. a part of that experience. Are there any, I guess I would say any other special moments or things that you remember in particular? Uh, I know you talked about being at the mansion, but were there any other Man, things that you want to talk about? I'm like a, when it comes to studios or like where music is made, like I want to be there all night. Me and uh, my good brother Dylan, who also writes for DJ Booth. Yes, we, I love man, Dylan. That's my guy. We hunk out every night like we were trying to stay there i think we we probably were the latest journalists and press folks there both nights for the recording studio sessions i was supposed to connect with dylan this past april um i was gonna go up to see uh, little brother and he's like i'm uh, going to that show and i'm like oh i'll see you there in brooklyn and then of course i had to cancel my trip oh man see COVID ruined everything (laughs) but the the sessions were uh, I don't know if you guys are into Dragon Ball Z. That's always been like my favorite series because I think it's just very relevant to life. You can look oh, at yeah. Dragon Ball and pull out anything about life. And uh, I never got a chance to write this article because this is the one that I really wanted to write. And it's about how every music community, you have to have a Gohan. Like every community has a Gohan and that's not the the biggest and the baddest. It's the one with the most potential to beat Cell. And to me, Cell Cell represents uh, breaking through. If you're going to break through, you have to go through Cell. And the only one who can beat Cell is Gohan. So that means that collectively, every scene has the one that's going to beat Gohan. That's going to beat Cell. So I started asking everyone and around, like, like, who's Gohan? Who's Gohan? Who's Gohan? And uh, it was just kind of funny seeing people's reactions. And it led me to St. Dominic. And when, even when I, when I approached him about him being Gohan, at first he was kind of shy about it. He was like, no, nah, I'm not really, you know, because it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure to be Gohan. 
I don't think uh, people give him enough credit for the high expectations of being Goku's son and, and having to live up to a father like that and have to live up to the, the dangers and all of the... That's the, one thing. It was perfectly played the way they, they, yeah. they mapped his life out. He didn't just, have to go on to be better than Goku. He, nah. he just did his own thing. He did his own thing. I kind of hated they capped him out, though, when he really? became a teenager. Yeah, man. Yes, for me, that's what set the, the, that's what, that's what set the story apart from, because I noticed, like, uh, like, you can pull it, like you said, you can pull anything out of uh, uh, for Dragon Ball Z, but there's, like, similarities with other things that were happening in time, like Yu Yu Hakusho, um, mm. especially with their dealings of life and death, how they deal with the afterlife, uh, which definitely spawned bleach. Oh, man, that's a, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good point. And then, because, uh, yeah, you see that Death Note bleach, like, all these instances where they make no, they pull no punches with dealing with, like, life and death. Uh, but the way that you were, you expected him. Like, even before the Cell games, like, the way they wrote him into uh, the the first little say inside where he, where he had to bounce the spirit ball and, like, okay, you're, you're seeing it. But then he goes into the Sandman thing, which I thought was super cool. And then after that, he's just like, well, I'm going to nerd out and be a father. <laughs> like, Chi-Chi won. Effectively, Chi-Chi won. Man. She got her freaking wish kind of thing. And that's what I thought was, like, super dope until Super popped up. And I was like, okay, yeah. you, you, you got to get your just desserts with Gohan with Super. And, you know, I don't I know. I, I, never, I never watched Super. I saw a couple episodes. Uh, I'm such a... I'm such a fan of my relationship with Dragon Ball. Like I didn't need no more. I thought I thought after Boo, you guys mm. nailed it. I thought yeah, I, I really thought they nailed the series. Like after Cell was pretty like I was like Cell was great, but you coming back with Boo was amazing. And I and I look at the kind of trajectory that I want to have with Dragon Ball Z. Like you want to have your Dragon Ball, you want to mm. have your Dragon Ball Z, and like you don't really want a GT because then you GT get to a was- point. GT was season three of Community. It was garbage. Yeah, oh, man, that's what I'm saying. But like, Gaslight season. You don't ever want to lose your vision of yourself. And that's my thing about Dragon Ball is like, it was so clear visioned mm-hmm. up until you can tell they wanted them to come back for the franchise, for the brand, not for the story. It just became so popular. It just made sense to make more. And that's how you become a product. I didn't want well, Dragon I- Ball to be a product. I wanted it to be a story. But and also, well, they they hit top marks with me though, and they got me because I saw the same thing. Like this is just a, a mm. reboot for a younger generation, but they got Akira Toriyama to actually sign on and do it because that's why GT sucked because Akira Toriyama was on wall. Yeah. Okay. Good. Great point. And and that's he's a genius. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen the word genius thrown around about that man, but that is a, a unbelievable talented person. Who I I look up, I study him like writing about articles and stuff like I study him because he understood like character design mm-hmm. he understood a story understood how to make his art pop like the it's only, very fascinating how he did it. It's the only reason I played Dragon Quest because he did the original art. Yeah, he got style. That man yeah. got style, and that's the thing I see in in Tulsa is like you have to see like who got the style, who has. Yeah, it, the, the the look and the feeling and the vibe that like the moment you hear and the moment you see it, you know who it is. And it's this is gonna re- pop out at you. 
It's funny that you mentioned that the Saint Dom is Gohan because he has that project Nimbus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I yeah. mentioned to him, I mentioned to him, it was like you should have pulled a couple samples in there, like whenever they called it Nimbus, and then there's yeah. a little, that little scooter sound. <laughs> yeah. See, and I didn't even know he had that. You know, that was kind of like the funny thing coming to Tulsa and and being uh, a, a new kid on the block per se. You're meeting all these guys, and I, I really did enjoy your community. Like everyone has such great personalities, which is very very cool, humble people, and. um you can just kind of see that everyone in, in Tulsa has like eclectic taste, very broad thinkers and very intrigued by all forms of art from anime to Picasso to fucking uh, Andy Warhol. You know, like you can see that people are thinking about art collectively yes. and not just a specific brand of art, like all kinds of creative ideas and creative thinkers you can feel their influence when you when you talk to the people in Tulsa the conversations you have like I, th- I think everyone I talk to we just very broad very thoughtful conversations and I'm just like you know this is a great community of thinkers yeah. you know it's only just a matter of time for that to be seen and that to be heard and that to be understood well when you were saying that about someone here would have to have, you know, there's that style, you know, we, we've had, I don't know, did you ever hear the term gym used when you were here? That someone was a gym? Oh, yeah, speaking of, speaking of terms you heard in the town. <laughs> I think so. I could say, I could say that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, it's hard to explain to people, like, there is no really Tulsa style because everybody's their own person. Like you, that you're a gym and and he's a gym and she's a gym. Like, uh, okay. They, I see. You know what I'm saying? Like there is no other St. Dominic. There is no other Steph Simon. There is no other Mr. Burns. There is well, no other Steph. Bambi. Speaking of Burns who like, as soon as you said, Derek Barnes, he was like, dude, does it need to be a collab with Gohan and Majin Burns? Cause you know, he's going by Majin Burns for a minute. No, I did not know that. That's hard. <laughs> Majin Burns. Yo, Yo my kind of rap, man. Burns has had so many monikers. He used to be Earl Hazard. Oh, yeah. He, Earl dude. Hazard. That's Get, all, oh, yeah. Look up Earl Hazard. On, you can look him up on Spotify. Please do. Please do it up. Yeah, you need to you need to hear the Bishop tape, too. But you got to. I have so much Tulsa music that I just need to go through. You guys Sweet. have uh, like a very broad uh discography of, of of music from various different kinds of artists i just never heard and that's something that i'm i'm really interested in and once things really do start to pop for you guys and it becomes a, a bit more of a commercial site like I, I'm, I can't wait to see you guys land on playlists more and for you to have that visibility because I definitely see that that does not exist yet for you guys in commercial spaces, but like starting to see Tulsa artists on playlists and, and get those kind of looks is going to make uh, waves. Mm-hmm. Is, it changes when people can see you. And that's the only thing about being Gohan too, is like when you beat sale, it's like you beating sale in a tournament, like that's broadcasted. People need to see this victory. People need to be aware of who you are and what you do. And the more people that see you, the more people that's going to be intrigued in the community that surrounds you. That's why that, that collective force is so important. You know? It's like the Olympics. It is. Rap is the Olympics. 
I wonder who our Goku is who comes in at that final moment to give him that extra. <gasps> Steph, Steph Simon was who <laughs> I was I was seeing as the Goku of, of Tulsa's rap community, and uh, I talked to him about about it for a bit. And he's he's such an interesting guy. Like I, I really enjoyed my talks with him, and I can kind of see him being a Goku figure. I don't think he's as. Uh, bombastic as, as, as Goku as far as just like a being quiet the Goku. aggressive. Yeah, he is quiet, man. Steph is quiet, but when you hear him rap, like you can tell oh, yeah. like that that fire is in the gut. Like it's there. And he in cuts the it gut. Yeah, Did you hear you what know? he said? Doc, he said in the gut. I pushed in. him in his gut. I made it come out. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you. I, I, I love to tell my story. I Everybody's probably heard it a million times, but maybe Yo hasn't heard it yet. It no. was a night when when Steph was in a battle at Sound Pony. He was up against was it Algebra Doc that he was, he was battling. He, I think he was he was up against uh, Rivy. I think Rivy. And anyway, he did, he, was he wasn't projecting. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, bro, what the fuck? I could hear he was doing a really good job, but it was just like he was just coming out of his chest. And I'm like, all right, let me go. And I, I, this is probably right when he started to call me Mama Tulsa because this is what I did to him. And I went up to him and I. I said, you need to learn how to project. And he's like, what are you talking about? You know, whatever. And I said, say something. I said, I'm about to, I'm about to push you in your stomach. And he goes, what? And I said, just start talking. And he started, and I did it. And I, ever since then, he's like, and so now when I see him on stage and I, like that night that he did the, he did the show at uh, the Skyline Mansion, um, it was probably what, about a month before you guys came for the recording sessions. I remember being like, that's my baby right there. He's projected like a motherfucker now. Like, yeah. Like, I love seeing that. I love seeing growth. And that's, you know, kind of, I wanted to circle back to, to you and your process of writing and your career. You know, clearly you still have a long way to go and you've already done so much, but what is like your, your future vision or if you will, or dream that you want, not only for your career, but we always we have to have our work life balance as well as we've been talking about throughout this whole thing. So, what is kind of like your dream? Now, that's an interesting question because, like, the dream initially was just to get paid to be a writer. That was always the goal to get the job to be a writer, and I got that. And I didn't really see anything past that for a while. Because it's like when you, it's, it's really interesting that when you have a dream and it comes true, like you have to live the dream out, you know, like in my ideal world, the dream comes true, you fast forward to the credits, and then they tell you what happened after the dream came true. But like to have to do the work in the dream, oh man, I don't think no one tells you that that's where you really have to dig in, you know, you have to really, really, really like manifest not just a dream anymore. Like you have to live up to it. You wanted this, you asked for this, now you have it. What are you going to do now that you got it? So coming into that realization and trying to see what's next, it's like, I know what's next, but I don't like talking about it because it's so, it's so fresh to me. It's such a fresh concept in my mind. And, uh, you know, I, I deal with some frustrations because I've been doing this for so long that like you kind of just want things to move a little faster and that life just doesn't work like that. 
Like you really have to take every day to get you closer to that next thing that you want. Once you get your dream, cool. What's next? Like it doesn't stop. Like nothing stops for you. And all I, all I know is that what I want to definitely do next is, is live up to who I want to be. Like at the end of the day, I just want to live up to myself. And then whatever, whatever, in any capacity, whether that writing, reading, whatever, like I just want to live up to that. Because I know by the end of the story, if I live up to it, then it's going to be a happy ending. Got to keep following. Yeah, yeah. You just got to like. Following that mood. Put your, put your feet in the dirt, man, and just keep going. And like just, and that's the thing, just don't, don't lose direction. That's my thing too. It's like, always remember where you're going. Always have that sight of that thing that you're walking toward. Cause if you lose sight of that, then you are like lost in the forest. Like you can get lost in the woods so easily if you lose sight of the direction that you're moving in. And you know, I think everyone needs to understand you're probably going to lose sight of it. It's very inevitable that when you're in process of moving for a very long time, it is very easy to forget where you're going. Yes. And then the important thing is is to remember that all you have to do is look up. It's still right in front of you. It didn't mm-hmm. go nowhere. But if you don't look up, you're just looking at your feet or you're looking at like how tired you are and you're looking at all the things that's happening around you, you're going to forget to look up. And you cannot forget that. It's very important. I compare it to like learning how to float, learn how to float on your back in the water. Like, I can't, I can't do it. I can't just hold your breath a little bit. It's like trying to teach someone <laughs> how to do it, but they just yeah. don't get it. And you're like, cause they're not going to get it until they get it. Until they <laughs> like, yeah. You yes. got to get it on your own. You got to learn how to hold your breath and then like let out little bits of air, like, and then suck it back in and then float there for a little while longer. But when you figure out how to float on your back and you can see the stars at night <laughs> in the lake like it's one of the most beautiful experiences like i figured out how to float wow. yeah and you cool. know what floating is probably hardest for stubborn people because like mm-hmm. if you're resisting at moment of just relaxing and laying back and i say this as a stubborn person like you can't keep fighting it you can't resist floating you probably should do more of it. I think if we all just in our lives, just relax and laid back, we probably will still get to where we're going way faster than just trying to force against the current. Get a get a booking at those sensory depth perception tanks. <laughs> I've been wanting to do that to the Slow point where I'm out. thinking about getting a pool installed in my in I mean into my backyard. Like I'm like yeah. I could just get one of them lap pools. I'm cool. <laughs> like I love to float. <laughs> I love to be in water. I like yeah. Damien Shade. I like to float. I hey, like to levitate. levitate. <laughs> yeah. I like to float, float. I like to levitate. See, that's, that's it. I'm thinking about it too. I'm like, man, I might. I always thought a pool was a lot of work. But the more I think about it, I was like, man, that, that work probably pays off when you want to get in the water. Oh, man. Give me a little 10-footer so I can stretch out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a couple of briskies. Uh, you can find me in the east side in one of those small blue plastic ones sitting there. <laughs> I have an adult size with a six pool. pack of tall boys cooling <laughs> out in this freaking heat. Freaking hot out here, bro. 
My neighbor used to laugh at me. I would blow it up in the summer. He'd be like, I saw you out there in your little kiddie pool. <laughs> Mind your business, Bob. Mind your business. Right? <laughs> Let me have mine. Yeah. All right? I respect Yo, we were, we were so happy that you were here and able to experience the Fire and Little yes. Africa recording sessions. Um, I love hearing you talk about your experience in Tulsa. And uh, I know that you probably heard this particular phrase a lot while you're here, but we wanted to ask you before we wrap things up, what does everything is us mean to you? Yeah, when you hear that, what's a, what, give, what gives you a shot to the system whenever you hear that phrase? Everything is us. Honestly, it's like marriage. Because I feel like uh, marriage as a concept is the the unity of two people. Mm. And broader than that, though, it really shows you that united, like you can define anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think it's a singular person. It's very hard to kind of get through life by yourself. But once you get you a partner, once you get you some partners, like everything or anything that you want can be yours. But it's not just you, you know, like it's a collective force. It's a collective team. It's a collective community, you know, and I, 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 I now 100% believe that like partnerships, finding your, your, your best partners, finding your, your comrades, finding your communities, finding your loves, like those things make everything better. They make anything possible. You know, that's why you just can't like wheel change by yourself. You're probably going to need to go find you someone that can help you will that change it. But when you do, whatever you want can be yours. That's very appropriate because as any rap will tell you, we all married to the game. <laughs> Which is a crazy, crazy concept of being married to the game because the game don't love you. But mm. <laughs> but you love the game so Too much. much. That can often yeah. happen in marriage. Uh. Yeah, man. Hey, it happens. <laughs> it, it does happen. Like love can be one sided. But you that's know, you. that's that's what I love about the game though. Like that you love it so much that like you feel like you can like intoxicate her. You know, like mm -hmm. you can you can grab the eye, you can grab the heart of this thing that is so cold because your love for it is that immense. And I do believe when I look at certain success stories, what allowed them to break through is because how much they love the game and how little they looked at how, how, how the game did not love them. Like they didn't even consider that. Like mm -hmm. you have to kind of throw it out your mind to persevere all the way through. It's like your love for the game is greater than anything. That's, that's standing in your way. You were talking about the NBA earlier, and it, you, it got me thinking about Russell Westbrook, my honey badger. <laughs> Man, Brody's. I miss Jeez. my honey badger. I miss him so much. But I, I love. He's one of those players that I'm like, I love seeing his growth because he was a pretty selfish player, you know, for a minute in the beginning, and probably I mean, was. I know, I know, I know. You were gonna say that. Don't talk <laughs> about my honey badger like that. But I'm trying to get to the point of. I like seeing him still continue to grow. You know, he, then he started focusing on assists and triple doubles. Like, and it's like, okay, you get in there. I see you. But if you could just, it's like, if you could just tell, if I could get in his ear, there's so many times I wish I could have sat behind the bench at the Thunder game and be like, dude, 
just let go of some of it. I know, I see your passion. I see your drive. I know what you want. And I wish you could give that feeling to the rest of your teammates right now. Cause <laughs> I want to see y'all get this dub tonight. Like, ah, but at the same time, it, it, it is like a little piece of you that you gotta have, you kind of have to let that go. You know, it's, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, it you, is. When, when you love the game and I see, I see it in Russell, man, Russell loved the game more than anybody. And yeah. like he he wears it in his tenacity. The way he attacks the hoop, the way he he moves on the court is all for the love of the game. But like you said, there's this there's times when that love becomes like too aggressive. And you gotta peel that back some. You gotta let some of that go. And you have to remember this is a team sport. So like your one love for this cannot outweigh five people in front of you. Like, you can't do it. That's why it has to be an everybody type of thing. You're like, you got to make sure that your teammates is matching your tenacity. They're matching your, your passion. And that way you don't have to feel like you, you're overworking for everybody. It's just right. not necessary. No one's going to match those Westbrook outfits, though. So. No one. Hey! <laughs> please, and please don't try. <laughs> hey, no shade, Ali Shaw. I remember there was one interview him and Carmelo Anthony gave, and it was like right after we bounced out of the playoffs. And uh, Brooke came out, man. They could have been like crocking in tubs or something, man. It was like some weird. They had, it looked like they just stepped off set from like the latest Buddy Cop film, because he had like this weird suit on, like no shirt on underneath, with like the gold plate thing with these bright red sunglasses. And Carmelo looked like he just came off the court at the park, bro. It was great. But you've heard what Westbrook, you may not have heard, but when he talks about fashion, even that, he said his mother told him, and this is something that stuck with me, his mother told him, every single piece you buy, you need to love it. Like this shirt I'm wearing right now, this thuggish, rugged shirt, I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Because I went and saw Bone Thugs again at the State Fair, but then I saw them <laughs> in the 90s. And I remember how the bass in their show shook the insides of my chest. This shirt means something to me. I love this shirt. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's where those love shit on that funnel cake in. now because we ain't gonna have no fair this year. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Doc. I know I want a turkey leg. So there you go. Look at us, Okies. <laughs> Talking about the state fair. I was about to say, like when things are back in swinging like state fairs and stuff like that like oh people are coming out in hordes oh man like, it's gonna be nuts it's going to be real and yeah. i'm excited i'm excited for that i'm excited like not to rush to it but just like getting back outside like i think my first concert after this i might cry like i really like, don't matter who it is like just kind of being back in a space where people have gathered to hear music mm. like Tulsa was the last time i was around art and music live wow i have not been around it since then so that's this has been the longest period in my five years of working at dj but this is the longest i've gone without going to a concert oh like amen I've, I've never i've never experienced this much time not at a concert yeah. not at, at anything like that's not something that i ever thought could happen like i never thought it was gonna be a period in my life where i was not going to shows like that's just something that i, I couldn't imagine so I, I'm I'm excited for those next things as the the next person. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm still probably going to make this mask a normal part of my wardrobe forever now. Um, it's a part of the fit now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's I, part of the fit. Some of y'all only want to breathe your air. Just yo, <laughs> man, <laughs> I don't even I don't know what's gonna happen for real because it's 
it does seem like some of these things are just going to stick with us now forever. Well, for as long as they, until we decide otherwise, you know, because COVID has taught me there is no such thing as forever. Something can come through and change everything overnight. Yeah. We have to learn to embrace the reality of what is happening now, to go with the flow, and to expect change every single day. Every Everyone. single day. Big facts. Yo, thank you so much for being with here us tonight. I, I cannot tell you how honored I am to get to know you even better. Um, for our you- listeners out there, like we're not just saying, yo, my man's name is spelled Y O H, right? <laughs> it's very, it's very cool. It's very cool when people are just like, I introduce myself and they think I'm just saying, yo, like, yo, what's up? Like, no, no, that's my name. Yeah. And uh, there's always like this, if it's someone I've never met before, there's always this kind of confused look at first. <laughs> or they're like, oh, that's cool. Or they'll do a song lyric. I had a couple people seen Chris Brown, yo, before. Like, it's oh. all. It's no, all, Chris Brown, you know, no. Man, it's always a thing. It is 100% always a thing. But This is when I do my country. Bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, it's very interesting uh, just going through life like this, especially when people don't really know your face. Because you know I don't really post pictures, right. so some people will know my work, but so they'll they'll meet me and be surprised, you know, yeah. like it's just like oh wait, like I I've been reading your work. I've, I've had so much, I had this kid one time. This is one of my favorite stories. He came up to me. I was at a concert that I showed up late for. The the, the concert was letting up, and I just pulled up to go see you know the artist who was performing, who was a homie of mine, and uh, I'm just sitting amongst the last couple of people walking out and this kid walks up, he has his phone and he was like, did you write this article? And <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, I did. And he was like, bro, I just, I just, I just been reading it like every day, man. Like it's, it's been the best thing I've seen in a while. And I was like, oh man, thank you. But it was the way he approached me because he was not sure. And like, he couldn't really prove it was me or not. So he just had to ask and he had the phone up and everything. And I just thought that was just, the the coolest thing to kind of have. Now I want to know what the article was. That's some rock star shit, bro. It's, it's some interesting shit. It was on. It's on. I'll send it to you. It's an article I wrote about this rapper from North Carolina named Mavi, and his album "Let the Sun Talk" is probably like my favorite album of 2019. Definitely like the project that I've been playing the most in the last like six months. I feel like I've heard Fonte talk about Mavi. He's really dope. I, I, I'm going to send you two things. I'm going to send you the article, then I'm going to send you this content piece that me and uh, my friend Holland, we did called Rap Portraits, which is a day in the life series. And we shot Mobby for the first episode. And it's his, uh, he has a sold out show in New York. And we followed him around for the whole day in and out of like record meetings and just the preparation of going to a show and knowing it's sold out. And this is your first sold out show in New York. And of course you're coming from the South and he's, you know, early twenties kid. He's just now really getting his, his rap legs and putting a camera on him on that day. I feel like we got something really special, very special talent. And I can't wait to see. Yeah, man, it's it's a good watch. It's like nine minutes. It's a very short little doc, but I, I believe that if you watch it, you'll, you'll take something away from it. Studied neuroscience at Howard Okay. Yeah, man. Interesting kid, man. Really interesting kid. I can't, I cannot speak highly of him enough. 
like when I when I think of like progressive rappers mm-hmm. and just being like all the stereotypes are slowly just like there there's no gonna be no stereotype of what a rapper could be anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that is so good now. And he is just one of those examples for me. It's like everything about him is just fascinating. That's Especially what I feel about JPEG Mafia, man. JPEG Mafia. Mm. I was late to the game getting in on that cat, but when I did, I was just like, oh shit. Like it's uh it's uh it's death grips, but better cadence for me personally. Wow. Basically. That is interesting. Yeah. I'm not mad at that at all. I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a really I'm not big on JPEG just yet. Like I really haven't mm. tapped all the way in, but it's definitely something that I'm seeing how people are reacting to it and like mm-hmm. how it's, it's, it's really grown into his own cult following that he, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be around. That production like, is, is wild. It is like one of those game changing, like refreshing type things uh, to use for real again. Like when his beats came on the scene for Khalees, I was like, Oh shit. Like, what is, what am I, what am I sonically getting inundated with here? It's amazing. More please. Uh, I I miss that feeling, man. I miss the feeling of like getting hit with something new. Mm-hmm. Like when it when it hits you, it's like you yeah. know it. And, I, and I've been seeking that out more and more. Like I've been in search of when uh where where is that that feeling gonna come from next? Mm-hmm. Like who's gonna be the next artist to make me feel like I I need more of this and I need it now. And do you like to keep them to yourself for a little bit before sharing with anyone else? I don't. I always wonder if other people do that. We're talking about gatekeeping here, folks. We're talking about gatekeeping. I'm just it, saying. it depends how I feel. Yeah, it depends how I feel. <laughs> if I if I enjoy the art, well, because the way I the way I listen to music, I try and envision a person that I will share it with. Like I know my taste, but I also always try and like nail the taste of my friends. So nails the taste of my peers. And, you know, I can hear a song and be like, oh, Derek will love this. And then I'll just send it to Derek. It doesn't really matter who it is. And that's just the way it is for me. Like I I have a very particular relationship with music because I, I really don't think about it as selfishly as I probably should. I'm very open to like sharing the things that I find. Like is 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 probably this this period of no social media is gonna be so interesting because everything that I'm going to kind of like uncover, I'm gonna to keep to myself. <laughs> you are, like, yeah. And I'm I'm excited about seeing how that feels. Like yeah. not 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 needing to feel like, oh, this is gonna be for Twitter or this is gonna send this in a DM. Like I'm not checking nothing. I don't know what I'm coming back to. This is probably going to be madness. I have no clue. You're going to need an assistant to check your DMs. I'm literally. (laughs) Someone's going to call you to make sure you're okay, because that's what happened to me. Someone hit me up was like, is Allie okay? She hasn't been on social media. I saw her deactivated. (laughs) See, I'm not going to do no deactivation. I'm I'm trying to see if I just don't say anything, will Mm. people notice? Oh, they'll notice. They'll notice. (sighs) I hope not. <laughs> like, yo, really, I'm trying to tell you they're gonna notice, really, especially if they're really. used to you updating. They're used to seeing. Yeah. You. I, I was off for almost two weeks, and like Doc just said, I started getting messages from other people. Like they weren't able See. to get to me directly, so then it was like, "Is she okay? I haven't seen her." Da 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 da. And it was like, I finally had to come back out. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> 
But see, just, I don't, man, I don't want to make it a spectacle. That's exactly. my thing. Like, I, don't, yes. I don't like the fireworks. Like, I don't want to be like, I'm leaving for a week. You don't have like, to. You can just go away for a little yeah, while. But see, but you go away and then they start to look for you. It's just like, no, 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 no. I just, I really want to be able to believe that if I stepped away, that things will continue to move as usual. And then and I can will. just step back in. Right. They but, will, but, but know that you will be missed. And I think that is the one thing that it was surprising to me. Cause I was like, Oh, this person is, this, you know, and I didn't even, the, the friend that was telling me about the message was like, she was talking to me about this person that I like, I knew them. And I'm like, I don't even know who you're talking about. Oh, she's, she must be one of your listeners or, you know, big fan. And I was like, okay, but I feel like I probably would know her if I saw her in person. I'm a face person, recognition person, you know? Right, right, right. And, but it was such a like, wow, okay. I didn't realize I was, you know, making this type of impact. And I know, I know that the beautiful part is that people do care about you. Like it's deeper than just having an account. There's like real relationships integrated into this. I just think, and it's something that I would recommend all people do is to remember that like you have to step outside of that sometimes. You have to step outside of those relationships. You have to step outside of that space because that space is a curated space. You're constantly building that space by design to represent you. And I think that the more you spend designing that space, like that's brain power. That is a lot going into it. Like, even if you don't think about it, but like logging in and being careful with your words and being, you know, specific with what you post, like you are designing a world for yourself. And I just think, you know, and not to get too biblical here, but it took God seven days to make the world. But he, on that seventh day, he took rest. And this is God. So if right? God has rest <laughs> after making his world, if you're designing your world online, you have to remember to rest. I was actually having a conversation on Twitter with uh, one of our other producers, Medicine, and he said something about needing a clone or something like along those lines. And I said, man, I used to say that all the time. I used to say that a lot. And then I realized, no, you know, I don't need a clone. And I said, and you need to learn how to schedule rest. And Mm. he goes, oh, thank you for that. I'm like, I don't know who told me that. It was probably one of my mentors, but they're like, you must schedule time for rest. Because if you don't do, it's kind of like when we get off our computers tonight, what are you going to do? You're going to restart it probably, right? Because it needs to be able to run. All those things that are running in the background right now, they need to be refreshed. You got to restart your computer. It's the same thing. You got to reset your mind. Motherfuckers is is turning off because I got things to read today. See? <laughs> oh, Doc, I, I need you and Yo to have a whole conversation about <laughs> yeah, I, history. And- I, I, I'm so down for me and Doc to have a side episode whenever you're ready for it. Ready. I am here for it. I just want to be. I want to be the fly on the wall like this, though, with my mic on. Mute. <laughs> yeah, she just throws the mic on mute and you just like sister and breaks out popcorn. <laughs> All right, yo, we don't want to keep you that much longer. It is a, it's a Saturday night for us when we're recording, and I'm just so honored to be able to talk to you, man. Thank you. It has, it has been fun. I'm about to go watch Above the Rim. I've been wanting to see oh. two parts of the day. Yeah, yeah. I yes. woke up about Pac. I was like, yo, I'm, I went out. I was playing basketball earlier, and I was like, I need to see Tupac tonight. So I'm yeah, about to go. you need to hear pain. 
Yeah, you know, you know. I'm just Share it with me. Bernie Mac. <laughs> oh, Bernie Mac's in it too? Oh, man. That's another death that really messed me up. I me wasn't too. ready for Bernie, Bernie was my favorite. Man, what? King of comedy. Seriously. Uh, Personality, delivery, form. I ain't scared of you, like, motherfuckers. Kick ass. Man, like, he just had the sauce. Let me talk to you, America. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's, it's weird. I'll, I'll say this before I go. But you always want to define and design your voice to be like how Bernie Mac voice was, where like it was undeniably him. There will yeah. never be another because he was so sure of who he was. And he was able to project that in a TV show. He was able to project that in stand-ups. He was able to project that in movies. Like he was able to like almost like synthesize himself and project that in other mediums. And I thought that was so fascinating that he could do that that well as a comedian. And I really believe that all artists should study that because, you know, you, you master your craft, but you have to learn how to synthesize yourself to enter other spaces and carry those same strengths and gifts and project them in other mm-hmm. forms. Because mm-hmm. if you do that, then you can be as visual in other lanes, but still keep your voice. And I think that's a very important thing to learn. You are speaking to my soul right now. I mean, like, I can't even tell you what your words are doing to my soul right now. I hear every, uh, I hear, I see you on every, oh, thank you. Yeah. I can't I put it in the words. You, you, you are the word, you are the, the artist with the words, not me. Uh, um, I like that, the artist with the words. I'm not, I'll give you credit. Okay, 10%. thank you. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yo, Good. thanks again for being yeah. here. Um, so on behalf of the Fire and Little Africa podcast, I'm Ali Shaw. And I'm Doc Free. We want to remind you to be the spark. Protect your flame. And pass the torch. Yeah, man. Hey, and before we wrap up, um, let me just say one last thing about Yo. Uh, you came to Tulsa had a whole different experience at our, our city of dreams. And I do firmly believe as our words of our producer, CD, AKA no skips. We, we truly believe that you're going AKA, to no skippies. Yes. We believe that you are going to inspire even more dreamers after they hear this podcast. I, I, be, I wholeheartedly agree with Chris on that. Uh, so before we leave, We want to play a special track for you from our guy, Steph Simon, and the name of the track is Dreamland. Okay, five in the building. One of OD in the building on the boards. Jimmy Joe supposed to be on the boards, but he taking out. King Cut in the building, downtown on the way. We made it all the way to the outro. I appreciate y'all for riding with me, man. This young Dickie Rowe. Steph Simon, Diamond. Yeah, yeah. Uh, steady progressing while you sleeping. Uh, my pay increasing each and every season. My team leading, but I gotta stay composed. Walk up in the building like I've been there before. The game full of smoke. I got immune to it, find a way to breathe in it. Maneuver through it like a foggy evening. I'm still beasting, I never folded, I never faded. My table been prepared for me and I'm still eating. Uh, made a lane and got it off the pavement. Real hustlers don't get the proper credit unless it's drug related. I stay squared, this revenge of the nerd. Came out of diamond, man, it's crazy how life works. Uh, Kept it playing.
player, never changed stuff, still jamming in the RD every Sunday out the record player. I wasn't waiting on the record deal to come and save us. I put my own money up and manifest it later. That's a true fact. Cause when the praises go up, them blessings come down like a screw trap. I got the vision, I can recognize a booby trap. The money coming, I'ma show you what to do with that. I never need no one to stamp me. I took karate and Comanche, ain't nothing you can tell me. I embodied my town like Christopher Wallace, but I'm at that 918 like I'm Christopher Robinson. Took the torch and ran with it like a Collins. Never had the budget, just the confidence. Had to balance street smarts with a Christ conscience. Should I rob a nigga for it or just get it honest? Had to find a way for me, I did it with the rhyming. Stay down, never broke it like a pinky promise. Now we got options, now we got it popping. Late bloomer, but I'm thankful cause it made me wiser. Hate get too much credit and I love her, leave you blinded. Damn, this is clarity at its finest The longevity ladder, I had to climb it Looking off the edge, now I can't be scared to fly See, I love this shit The highs, the lows, and everything that come with it Trusting your craft, trusting your work, trusting your vision Trusting your faith, why they question your intention That shit I been through, it'll probably broke you into pieces Then I found peace on some me shit This that self-care, that will of work The ambiance shining brighter, power level spiking This that KO Ken I'ma make you hate yourself for you hate on this I'ma make you find yourself when you play my hits I'ma make you stack some paper up and take that risk Niggas scared to be great, they'd rather live in fear I'd rather live out a dream, don't bring that shit over here Cause everyone ain't built like you Probably got the same goals, but ain't got the same follow through My DNA come from royalty, you can run my follicles If I ain't the goat, I make it arguable I'm not a P, I'm a B, that's a boss And I run with all B's like a counselor's on a roll You can't stop me, I'm in go mode You haven't seen it like this since that gold out of Holly Grove Living my dreams, my alarm is broke I remember wishing for it in that cutty playing adios that was Trill fam, did it with no deal fam From a city where success will get you killed fam Told them my vision, now we ready to rebuild fam But you can't please everybody, I'm like chill fam I know you hate to see me take it there And ain't nobody ever did it how I did it so you can't compare Feel like money, they can see it on me, they can smell it in the air They can feel it on me when they standing near My studio, we got the ceiling with the chandeliers Champagne tastes better when you went for real High grades in my papers, reservoir hills on my mind Thinking acres, had to find a way. I was pacing like Granger. Now they see my name in all the publications. I'm anointed and appointed, feeling like I'm favored. If you can't hold me down, don't hold me up. I see you later. Cause I've been on these planes lately. Put some respect on my name, made a way, thank me. You ain't gotta be on my dick to recognize greatness. You ain't gotta lie to my face, come ask me with a favor. If it's credit that you want, then I'm forever thankful. Yeah, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you kept sleeping on me. Cause I kept dreaming, homie. What's up? Yeah, yeah, everything is us.